York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. I'd like to be able to... Anyway. I'm... My mind's going blank now. What's happening? What, what, I can't remember. My mind's going blank now. What are you talking about? What's going on here? The door. My mind's going blank now. I can't remember. I don't know what I was talking about. What am I doing here? My mind's going blank now. Where am I headed? I keep forgetting I'm president. Where am I? No idea. I don't think as the idea. Recognize Dr. John John King of King of Song. King of Song. I can't get this to function at all. My mind's going blank now. What's happening? What, what, I can't remember. Lose track. My mind's going blank now. What are you talking about? What the hell's going on here? Where the hell are My mind's going blank now. I can't remember. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. What are you talking about? Turbo charges. Come on, Blaze. Matt Blaze. No idea. Clearly. A fugitive from justice. I'd like to be able to. No doubt about it. Anyway. With multiple aliases, I'll get you if it's the last thing I I've, do, Matt Blaze. My mind's going blank now. My mind's not going blank because I know you are a modern day fugitive. As the board operator for Frank Morano, the Mameluke. And of course, we have runway model Ken, who can do no wrong in the eyes of Frank Morano. Oh my God, you're the golden child. And, of course, pulling the strings behind the scenes like the Wizard of Oz said he is, Alex, who is the biggest brown nose I have ever met in talk radio, and that's saying a lot. His schnoz is right up the tuchus of Frank. I asked him to do one little thing, and he said, oh, Frank's emailing me. I, I, I got to be at, I said, we're on right now. You know, it's like 9 o'clock. Frank isn't on until uh, 1 o'clock in the morning. Oh, oh whatever Frank wants, I got to do. Dropped everything. Dropped it like a hot rock. Oh, I yearn for the return of Broadway Bill Lee. We had such a great time. Back-to-back, belly-to-belly, as we took you to the break of dawn Saturday morning from 12 midnight to 6. Been so nice we did it twice. Sunday morning from 12 midnight to 6. Where's my music? Where's my music, man? I need that on the bed, Okay. I need that to pump and get that energy out there so that I can establish the format here of the mindless, the missing in action, the bumbling and stumbling 80-year-old president of the United States as he spent all of three, count it, three hours in El Paso. For the last 48 hours, federal officials were telling the illegal aliens who were copping a squad everywhere in El Paso, hey... We're putting you on buses. You're going to pound the hound across the bridge into Juarez. We'll give you pizza and wings and cerveza. Shut your mouth and for 48 hours disappear. And then we bring you back. And then you create Michigash all over El Paso. Now, you would think that the president, if he had any ability to connect the dots, would say, now, wait a second, on my favorite station, MSNBC, they've actually stopped January 6th for all of five nanoseconds to show what it looks like along the Rio Grande, for all of five nanoseconds. 
Anyway. And then CNN, which at times I watch, mente, mente, poco, poco. I see that they are fixated on the border, and naturally my adversarial enemy of all enemies, Fox News Channel, they're obsessed with the border, right? You would think that he would say, what happened to all the illegal aliens that were in El Paso? It's like a cold, cruel rain came crashing through the Maginot Line and washed them all into the Rio Grande, right? Really? Really? You know, we used to do this. When Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, who single-handedly destroyed the city that we love, in the first two years of his administration, pimping off the 12 years of Michael Bloomberg, he insisted there were no homeless people. And I understand, look, you're on the back porch, you Gracie Mansion with your old lady Charlene, you're smoking that Maui Wowie and Hindu Kush. Hey, it could affect your ability to see. But he would have an event in a park like Tompkins Square Park in the Lower East Side. And the coppers at the 9th Precinct, that's right, Ken, learn something. The coppers in the 9th Precinct, in order to make their own backside look good, would immediately just scurry into Tompkins Square Park and remove all the homeless people, all the emotionally disturbed, all the drug addicts, and then they'd do the spick and span on the park. And Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time man, the dope from Park Soap, would walk in and say, wow, it doesn't look so bad. I don't see any homeless people. Madonna, my. How could you not see the Mishikash? And the chaos down at the border. And ironically, in the one photo opportunity that they shared with all the networks, with all the global entities that were microwaving their broadcasts from the epicenter of El Paso, they showed who? Joe Biden and a group of sycophants, toadies and lackeys who were telling him everything he wanted to hear, walking along the wall that Trump built. And it looked like, wow, that's a big freaking wall. Ain't nobody going to get over that wall, right, man? He's walking right along that wall. He didn't build it. He doesn't want any walls. Remember, walls make for good neighbors, right? You want to be neighbors with Mexico? And by the way, you know, many of you, if you have been on the border, you notice that whether it is El Paso into Juarez, whether it is Nuevo Laredo into Laredo, whether it is Texas Eagle Pass, whether it is uh, Tijuana, you know, into uh, into Southern California before you hit San Diego, and then up to Los Angeles, the illegal alien city. There are more illegal aliens in uh, Los Angeles than there are actually citizens themselves. Yeah, it's taken over. You can forget Santa Ana. You can forget, remember, the Alamo. They remember that at one time they controlled Cali Cali, and they want it back. They want Cali Cali back. They want Arizona back. They want New Mexico back. And I mean, think of it. Along, if you've ever traveled the width and the length of El Paso going over to Las Cruces in New Mexico, it's all Fort Bliss. I'm sure there's so many women listening right now who remember the good, fond days in Fort Bliss. When they would go over, you know, when they had a little R&R over the bridge into Juarez for the Conchitas, ah, the houses of prostitution, hey, I saw it all. There was more traffic going into Mexico than coming out of Mexico. And, you know, a lot of workers 
who had their work visas who would prefer to live in Mexico where it was cheaper than living in El Paso. But there was a balance, yeah, as my grandfather Fidel Bianchino would say. There was a balance. And then all of a sudden, once the narco-terrorists took over, once Shorty Papo Kuzman and the narco-terrorists decided to wage death and destruction on the various provinces and make up Mexico, boy, it was over. They looked at the sucker Americans and they said, that's our marketplace. These people will buy any drug. We can create a drug and tell them to sniff it off a dead corpse in the graveyard. And Americans who love their drugs, love to get stoned, love to get high, love to be addicted, will do exactly that. I mean, let's face it, we are the marketplace for drogas, drugs that are created simply in smoking Michoacan, marijuana if you don't know Matt Blaze, standing up uh, using fentanyl patches like Tom Petty who died of fentanyl poisoning, and of course Prince the artist who died of overdoses of fentanyl, although they say they were knockoff pharmaceutical products. Doesn't matter. They died. Dead. Worth it. Room temperature. And I know in Mexico, they celebrate the dead. They have a holiday in which, believe it or not, they go into the cemeteries. They actually exhume bodies, skeletons, and they have smiles on their face. Well, Americans, I'm getting the hell out of here. And then they bring that here to America. Amigo, where are you going? Hey, I'm going to New York. Why are you coming to New York? You could have gone to Chicago. You could have pounded the hound of Philadelphia or Washington. Why did you choose to come to New York, right? Little Speedy Gonzalez will say, I saw it on Telemundo. I saw it on Univision. Your man, swagger man with no plan. $5,000 customized suit saying, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? I'm your daddy. Hey. Who's your Papa Chulo? Me, Eric Adams. And then all of a sudden they came, and they came, and they came, and they came. And then, in this very show, in the mornings with Sid Rosenberg and friends, Eric Adams made what has become a weekly appearance for him. And he said, there's no more room in the inn. Now, even if the baby Jesus wrapped in the manger, even if Mary, even if the carpenter Joseph came to New York City, I would say, Abbas, there's no more room in the end. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm asking all of you, what did you think of the travel to El Paso, the border, with Juarez, by the president in impotency, Joe Biden, who imagined in 50 years of being a deadbeat U.S. senator and then vice president of the Barack Obama and now president of the United States, had never been to the border. I mean, the only border he'd been to is the border between Delaware and Maryland and Delaware and Pennsylvania. And if you close your eyes all of 10 seconds, when you pay the toll on the bridge going over from Pennsylvania to Delaware and you close your eyes, the next thing you know, you're in Maryland. And all it takes is a nanosecond. The only reason that Delaware ever existed was as a tax shelter for the Fortune 500 companies. Although I will tell you, they were the first, the first to ratify independence in the United States. The first. New York was a dollar short and a day late. Yeah, I give props to Delaware. The first state in the nation. Number one, second to none. We're taking that designation back ever since you gave us Joe Biden. You know, it's like you hit a home run in Yankee Stadium. 
and you're a member of the opposition like Manny Ramirez used to be for the Boston Red Sox, who went to George Washington High School in the Heights, came from the Dominican Republic, and he hit a monster shot into the left field stands. And you know what Yankee fans did? They threw it back. Delaware, you want to do yourself a solid. Throw Joe Biden back. Throw him the pay. He wants to be in Scranton. Give him to Pennsylvania. I mean, look who they got as Senator Fetterman. Can you imagine a nice bridge game between Fetterman and Biden in the old senior citizen home? Hey, uh, you know, I said drooling. Oh, my God. I mean, think of this. We got Joe Biden as president. We got Fetterman as a U.S. senator. And they're considered normal and stable. Madonna, my. Uh, what? What, Joe? Yo, this is a good beat, man. Yeah, pump it up. Number 28 on the Billboard chart, top 40. To the words that the president uses on a regular basis when he speaks to his wife, Jill. My mind is going blank. Who are you? Yo, you're my wife, Jill. Oh, Dr. Jill. Wait a second. Didn't you run against Fetterman in Pennsylvania? Oh, no, that was Dr. Oz. I'm sorry. But then again, why am I calling you a doctor? Are you here doing a house visit with me? Are you trying to figure out why all the furniture is upstairs and rearranged in the wrong rooms? Do you not realize I am El Jefe? I am El Presidente. Uh, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. And the uh, plane, Air Force One, has lifted off the tarmac after three hours in El Paso as they cleaned up the city and chased all the illegals back into Mexico. They came from Venezuela. They came from Nicaragua. They came from Cuba. They were from socialist, communist countries. How dare we let the president of the United States see reality? We must introduce him to the Twilight Zone, to Rod Serling. Yeah, you know, when I was just a junior senator of Delaware, I was all of, what, 32 years old. We used to come down here, and, you know, unbeknownst to anybody, we would slip across the border from El Paso to Juarez, to the whorehouses, that's right. Oh, my God, we raised the roof. Remember that time they tied you up, Joe? It's like a scene out of The Godfather. Yeah, you remember when all of a sudden Tom Hagen came into the room and he said, Joe, we'll take care of this, Joe. Don't worry, Joe, you owe us. We'll take care of everything. You know, when the Godfather hears this, he's going to be very upset, Joe, but he'll make this all go away because... We own you, Joe. You don't even know where to go, Joe. We own you because you're mumbling and stumbling right along the wall that Trump built and you would not finish. And he didn't even realize that. He's wondering, who put this wall here? Did the Mexicans? Wow, it's a pretty damn good wall. No. Americanos. Trump, remember? You called them a xenophobe. You said we didn't need the wall. Walls create good neighbors you stay on your side of the rio grande we'll stay on our side except when we're looking for cerveza when we're looking for a good time with the conchitas with the hot tamales and when we need to go to boys town oh you know what boys town is oh notice i got the attention here runway model ken 
So let me describe to you what happens in Boys Town, Ken. You probably know not because you don't know much. Well, you could be on the Laredo side in Texas, as I was, and cross over the bridge, you walk over the bridge, and you look down, and there's the Rio Grande. More of the trucks pass on that bridge into the United States, and they have dogs who sniff up the belly button lint in the wheel wells because the illegals, man, they try to sneak into every nook, cranny, and corner, and that's also where they bring in the cocaine and the fentanyl and the heroin. But now when you go into Mexico, there's not one federale there. You know, for instance, I don't need no stinking badge. I wear a uniform. I'm a federale. Yeah, they never stop anybody. Welcome. Who did they ever arrest for sneaking into Mexico, right? Oh, what's the charge? Oh, sneaking into Mexico. No. Either sneak in or you pass through, right? You're from Guatemala, Honduras. Hey, easy pass. Sneak through. You're on your way. Where? California. Straight north. Arizona. Straight north. Oh, Texas. Oh, yeah. And then from where? Where is your final destination? Where do we all want to go? Nueva York. We see it on Telemundo. We see it on Univision. We see that all of a sudden there's a guy who looks like a Santa Claus waving at the Port Authority. He looks like a cardinal of our church, the Catholic Church. He's holding the hands of 18th Street and MS-13, and he's saying, come all, come one. You're just part of the flock. And Jesus says, you're shepherd. Jesus Christ. We must make it to Nueva York. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. It's 1-800-848-WABC. And, Joe, you can knock it off right now because you're giving me a headache as your mind goes blank. Oh, my God. Watching this feeble old man stumble around the sagebrush and the dirt around this wall that was built by, yes, Donald Trump, and he's looking at the walls. What an... What an engineering feat by the Mexicans. Did Santa Ana put up this? uh... By the way, you know where Santa Ana ended up? After he declared himself to be emperor of Mexico. He was run out of Mexico, right? Remember we said, remember the Alamo. Apparently on Staten Island they didn't remember because where, where did Santa Ana seek sanctuary with his wooden peg leg? Staten Island. And when he was in Staten Island trying to raise money so that he could put together an army of La Cucarachas. Remember, you know what that song was about? Oh, yeah. Smoking marijuana. La Cucaracha. Smoking roaches, right? Because they would come across the border and they would raid American farms and American ranches in New Mexico and Texas. And then they would kill a few along the way and with Pancho Villa leading them. They would smoke la cucaracha on their way back into Mexico. Ah, you didn't know that. You learned something. And you learned something else. That Santa Ana sought sanctuary in the one place that nobody ever went to back then. And some people would say, why the hell would you want to go there now, Staten Island? And back then, there was no Guinea gangplank to connect you. No Outer Bridge crossing, no Gothels Bridge, no Bayonne Bridge, no Verrazano Bridge, and no ferry None whatsoever. So Santa Anna planted his flag there with his peg leg. And he sat down and he said, what could I do for America since I have done so much harm? To those who stood to the last man could stand no more in the Alamo. I will invent chiclets. And as a result of inventing chiclets, 
so many Americans will end up going to the dentist and losing their teeth and getting cavities and then mercury fillings, which would eventually filter into their brain and cause them to expire at a young age. I, Santa Ana, and the man who was credited with creating the chiclets. And do you know the first time I ventured down to San Diego and then to uh, hopefully Calexico and Ensenada and down the Baja, you have to go through TJ, they would have little kids and little uh, women, uh, mestizos or Indian women. What could I say? Uh, first native uh, Mexicans? Yeah, you think I could say there? Yes. And what were they selling at the border? Chicklets! Chicklets! We've gone full circle. Santa Ana escaped, getting assassinated, annihilated as the self-appointed emperor of Mexico. Where did he flee to? Where did he flee to? Staten Island. Where he created the chicklets who chicklets. You learn something when you listen to Curtis Lee. What number is 1-800-848-9222. It's 1-800-848-WABC. Let us go to John, who is calling to Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. John, home before you were birthed there of Santa Ana. Did you know that, John? I didn't know that, but I was birthed in Brooklyn before I moved to Staten Island. <laughs> yeah, like half of Staten Island, you did the hop, skip, and a jump across the Guinea gangplank, right? That's what I did. That's okay. what I did. Right. It's called Staten Italy now. <laughs> it's okay with me. Hey, listen, uh, which I was going to talk about the president, but I just want to mention one thing. Earlier when we were talking about Adams, do you, you know, we're talking about people who are narcissists. No, no, no. Hold, hold, hold on a second, John. Yeah. I, uh, help me to pronounce that because I have a bit of a lisp. It is something that our own Sid Rosenberg shares with Eric Adams. They are narcissists. <laughs> I have a bit of a lisp. It's hard for me. Yeah, I just say it regular, narcissist. Narcissist. Wait a minute. Let me say it three times. Says, narcissist. 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 Oh, my God. Thank you, John. I, uh, I no longer have a lisp. I can now say narcissist, which is what Sid Rosenberg, Eric Adams, and, yes, Frank Morano are narcissists. Thank God. Thank God. John, why do you always sound like Speed Racer when you call in? Like, all of a sudden, hello, it's Speed Racer and the little monkey, right? <laughs> I don't what know. the hell is that noise behind you, John? Uh, I got a truck. I got to drive a truck. Yeah, did you ever hear of a muffler, a Midas muffler, John, you know? Look at no, that. when you got a V8. And it's diesel. Oh, hey, whoa, V8. Oh, you got you got horses underneath that hood, huh? You got some horses under that hood, huh? That's right. But if any politician asks me to move their stuff, I'll say, go get yourself an electric car and move it yourself. Exactly. And you know why we're at war with electric cars, John? Because Elon Musk and now all those pretenders who have set up their own assembly lines all throughout the world to create their own e-electric cars, whether it is Hyundai, hi, 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 or Toyota, hi, 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 or the Europeans, or Chrysler, or General Motors, or Ford, they want to remove this. AM radio out of your vehicle. I say a thousand times no, you'll have to kill you first, right, John? Nah, I wouldn't. You know why? Because there's a thing called a pocket radio. 
They can do what they want. Just leave the leave the AM alone. Right. I got a pocket radio. You don't want in the car? I get myself a pocket radio. That's That's right. all. Get your freaking hands off that AM radio, right? I agree 100% with that. Let me hear that muffler again, uh, John. It's like music to my ears, you know? Uh, it's not a muffler. It's the exhaust. Yeah, yeah, you're polluting Mother Earth, you know. Yeah, well, now, now I'm in the regular 20 miles an hour zone. I can't go. John, uh, John, be honest. Gee, all you got to do is use an excuse. Say, you know, those criminals crawled under my vehicle as I was sleeping at night and took my catalytic converter, right? <laughs> yeah, I wish. They, they, they would lose their hands on that. I never heard a vehicle like that. Anyone calling. Look, listen, listen. All of a sudden, it's like... It's like, what the hell happened to your muffler, to your catalytic converter? I don't know. But I got to keep it short. I got to get the truck back to our uh, warehouse. Oh. Hey, uh, I was going to say. The warehouse, what, Amazon? You're working at Amazon Warehouse out there for that billionaire slug Vsauce? Is that what you're doing, Johnny? Hell no, brother. We take care of stuff. It's uh, uh, like We're kind of teamsters. I got a park in Richmond Terrace. I got to make sure all the gates are closed, the barbed wire comes up, and I got to make sure I got extra locks with the dog in front of the place. Yeah, what do you got? A few Dobies, a few Doberman Pinchers, a few Rottweilers, Bull Mastiffs. I mean, my God, Richmond Terrace. Yeah. You know, it used to be a good place for a while. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I love the sound of a, a, a malfunctioning uh, muffler on a phone call. It's like music to my ears, John. I really do. Thank you very hey, much, John. Sorry. Make sure you don't get uh, uh, truck jacked along the way, Richmond Terrace. Madonna, my. You see, you see the sharpness, the acuteness of my hearing. I could pick that up. That sound of that muffler, the sound of a missing catalytic converter. He claims it's because he's got the V8 engine, the horses underneath uh, the hood, you know, and it's, it's diesel, right? Do you believe that, ladies and gentlemen? You know, this guy doesn't have a muffler. I mean, that was the whole point of Midas Muffler, right? And who was it? Who was that former boxer who used to do commercials for the Muffler Company? Eh? For a Curtis Lee booby prize, which great fighter for a while there would be seen on TV promoting one Muffler Company against another Muffler Company? And it was very unlikely because when you looked at him, you said, no, wait a second. Didn't you lose to Tony Zale, the Ukrainian out of Gary, Indiana, favorite of my father, Chester, who cheered him on from Chi-Town, Chicago, right next door, against that WAP, that Guinea, that Dago? You know, he got washed out in the Army, went A-W-O-L after he knocked out the sergeant. Who am I talking about? Come on, can I give you any more cues? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-W. Always broadcasting, Curtis C. Talk Radio 77 WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. I like to be in America. Okay, by me in America. Everything free in America. For a small fee in America. Andale, andale. Buying on credit is so nice. One look at us and they charge twice. Arriba! I have my own washing machine. 
machine. What will you have though to keep clean? Arriba, arriba. And by the way, uh, you wouldn't know this, Ken, you muscle head. And you, Blaze, you're a fugitive. God only knows what ethnic background you are from and what country of origin. But uh, West Side Story, Jets versus Sharks, was Americans versus Americans. Puerto Ricans, you know, by birth, you know. Even though they're born in the Commonwealth or here in the mainland, you know, even though they fly a different flag, you think it's a foreign flag like the Cuban flag, you knucklehead. They're Americans, Ken, like you and me, birthed in America. They fought in wars. But if you were to ask people when West Side Story first came about, Leonard Bernstein conducting, he was about as radical, as socialistic, as communistic as you could get. And quite gay, I might add, even though he had a, uh, a wife and kids. Oh, yeah. Um, you would say, wow, Puerto Ricans, they were foreigners, right? This is like a battle of the immigrants. Well, they were really migrants because they just traveled from the Commonwealth, part of America, to the mainland, part of America, right? And what did they say, right? See, let me hear. Yes, you say on your own side. On your own side. Ah, where's Cheetah Rivera, huh? Where's Cheetah? And of course, Natalie Wood, who came out and sang as Maria, although we found out later it wasn't her. It was somebody else singing. She was jumping, lip-syncing the words like Mariah Carey. You know, in a New Year's extravaganza or in concert, lip-syncing. By the way, what is up with Rolling Stone? They they made Mariah Carey like the seventh greatest singer of all time. Are they in a drug-induced psychosis? Mariah, I am the ultimate diva of all divas. I don't sing. I lip-sync, diva. Oh. <sighs> I mean, what are they singing now? I know a boat you can get on. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. Everyone there will give big cheers. Hey! Everyone there will have moved here. Oh. <laughs> now, these were our own Puerto Ricanos. San Juan Hill, where Lincoln Center is, all tenements, Irish, Puerto Ricans, Jets, Sharks. And then all of a sudden, a guy named Robert Moses came along and he said, You wretched people, you shanty Irish, and you... Rhymes with Spick and Span. Out you go, we're taking the wrecking ball. And we're building this magnificent edifice, this cultural place called Lincoln Center. Robert Moses, where did all these people go? I don't care, as long as they get the hell out of here. 1-800-848-9222. Oh, I see somebody is quite upset. Rich in New Jersey. Rich, Rich, how did I upset you? How did I offend you, Rich? Yeah, no, no. I I, uh, I listen in, and and you you try to be a uh, 
an Italian sometimes when you talk so uh, kindly about Mayor Giuliani. But Guinea is a derogatory term, okay? And it's a pejorative. So when you use the word Guinea, it's it's a dirty word. So hold on. What is the history of the term? Why were Italian laborers called Guineas? Are you aware, Rich, where that term came about? What is it? Why? Because of uh, something you made up or what? What was it? Oh. No, no, no. No, no, Rich, let me explain history to you. Right, Rich? Italians used to be diggers, like my grandfather, Fidel Bianchino. They would dig ditches. They would dig canals. They would dig tunnels. So they were having a very hard time building the Suez Canal. They tried all different things, very difficult. Remember, it goes opposite the norm. Uh, The Suez Canal goes opposite the norm. So they had to bring in Italians, and at the end of the week, they were paid in guineas. That was a common coin, the Spanish coin, the guinea. And that's how they earned the nickname, the guineas. You got that, Rich? Yeah, okay. But it's it's 2023, and you don't throw the word guinea around with Italian-Americans, especially out here in Jersey, okay? So watch your, watch your lip. Okay. Whoa, 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 what's up? Whoa, 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 tough guy. You gonna bust? You gonna bust my lip? Uh, you know I'm part Italian. Don't I have rights to that? Like a black man does to the n bomb, right? He can talk yeah, to. Said, uh, if you're part Italian, I'm surprised you use that word. It's a. It's become a derogatory slang word. I don't. I don't care who was digging where and what they uh, developed the word from. Uh, the etymology of the word is okay, fine. You wanna. You want to be uh, all right. right. Let uh, me let, let's go round two. Round two here. Wop. Want to read the dictionary? Wop. Do you know what wop means? What does it mean, uh, uh, Curtis? What does it mean? Without papers. Wop. Okay, without papers. That meant at that point, if you were an Italian here and you didn't have a sponsor, you were a wop. You were without papers. How is that a derogatory uh, name? Wop. It, it became derogatory, just like uh, nigger did, okay? Oh, did. oh, 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 white man, you cannot say that word. Here it is. I'm explaining the evolution of these terms. Now, my grandfather was called as a ditch digger who could not read and write from body in Italy, Fidela Bianchino. The term guinea. Italian diggers were brought into the Suez Canal. By the way, they failed in the Panama Canal. They failed. They had to be shipped back out. They they just weren't able to complete that test. For who? Teddy Roosevelt. But in the Suez Canal, when the French, who I believe were in partnership with the Egyptians at that time, were trying to complete the canal, which was a major, major improvement, they would get paid in guineas, which was standard currency at that time, Spanish currency. How many times have you, sir, you uh, watched uh, pirate movies, right, uh, Matt Place? And they would say, oh, the gold doubloons and the guineas went down to Davy Jones's locker with the galleon, right, the ship that was laden with, with gold and guineas from the New World. It's currency. How is it negative? 
Dago, does anybody out there know what the term Dago means? You know, it's like, this guy, Rich, he drops the end bump. By the way, your complexion was not your protection on that, Rich. And he's lecturing me. Because I call the Verrazano Bridge the Guinea Gangplank, uh, Staten, Italy. Excuse me. It's a term. Ooh, 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 should I get Felsnap the soap? Uh, because, uh, you know, if you are Gentile, it's Felsnap the soap. If you're uh, a Jew, it's Rokish soap, laundry soap. But then again, I was told recently by Sid Rosenberg, I cannot refer to him as a Jew. He is Jewish. I guess like uh, George Santo, Jew hyphen ish, right? I think I'd rather be called a Jew. Ever since George Santo created that, that Michigash, right? I am Jew hyphen ish. I think I'd rather be one, one tough Jew. Every Jew of 22, JDL, Maya Kahani, did they ever say, every Jewish guy of 20. Now, every Jew of 22, writing rhymes is a flow. There's been books written, movies on one tough Jew. You know, it was the toughest Jew ever lived. Tougher than tough. Maybe the greatest movie ever made about Jake LaMotta. Oh, Jake! Jake is ours! He's a... I can't say it, Guinea Womp Deagle. He's ours, right? Nope. His mother was a Jew. If you're born and your mother is a Jew, you are a Jew. And do you know how many times I told these nemeshi, schlubby, uh, schmendrick Jewish guys that, hey, hey, you know, is a Jew, man, the toughest guy ever, Jake LaMotta. Hey, sugar, you couldn't take me down. The blood dripping out of his face is the new. You couldn't take me down, sugar. Ray Robinson. Then, years later, I'm looking at the real, yeah, the real Jake LaMotta. He's wearing a cowboy hat, just like Imus. He's sitting there at this, um, by the way, this will get you a booby prize. A restaurant not far from the 59th Street Bridge, a.k.a. the Queensboro Bridge, a.k.a. the Ed Koch Bridge. Could we just simplify that to one freaking name for the bridge? And they had a bocce court in there. And every day, Jake LaMotta would be there with a drop-dead gorgeous blonde. And my friend Johnny Legit, a.k.a. Paul Carlucci, at the time publisher of the New York Post, said... Why don't you go talk with Jake? Hey, I heard he can barely talk. He's like Joe Biden, mumbling and stumbling. I sat down with Jake LaMotta. I had a 20-minute conversation. He should be president. Well, he's dead now. Bit of a pedophile. Remember at the time in the movie, what was it, 13-year-old girl at the club he owned in Miami? Hey, look. Look at that. Say he got hit a few too many times in the head. He was more lucid than Joe Biden. Jake LaMotta must have gotten hit. 50,000 times in the head. Remember, he would stand in the middle of the room. Go ahead, hit me. Bam, bam. Go ahead, that didn't hurt me. Bam, bam. And you know why he was lucid and could speak so well at 80? He was a Jew. You know, he must have gone to the library a few times before he put on the Everlast gloves and got the you-know-what kicked out of him. But he didn't know. I never went down right. What a great movie, right? 
De Niro. Oh, man, that was magnificent. Scorsese, right? Pesci, what was he, the brother-in-law? Pesci, the little Pisha Pesci. And he was actually more lucid than Joe Biden is now. And boy, he had a good choice in women. Ooh, hot to trot. By the way, what is the name of that restaurant where you could actually walk outside? Oh, let me tell you a story about that. Oh, this will even add to it. So across the street, living there on the second floor was Lou Sweater Man Karnaseka, you know, with his wife. Old school Italian. You could smell the gravy. Mrs. Karnaseka stirring the gravy for the macaroni. You see, because they still kept their humble blue-collar working-class roots it was gravy and macaroni, not pasta and sauce. And then down the block, remember, every 60 minutes at the end, who would do the uh, commentary? Rooney. Remember Rooney? So it's raining one day, and we're leaving. And there's Johnny Legit, and there's Mike Dubbs, and there's a few other folks, and I hear this ranting and raving by this lunatic Turns out to be Rooney from from 60 Minutes, right? Drunken rage. Oh, hey, you, you get the F out of here. I'm like, hey, legit, I get, oh, that's just Rooney, ignore him. He's always drunk. Well, you mean 60 Minutes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Connorsack is across the street. Hey, he doesn't pay no mind to it. Nobody does. All on that one. But what block am I talking about? What restaurant am I talking about? Where did Jake LaMotta hang out wearing that black hat like Don Imus, the cowboy hat with a drop-dead gorgeous blonde whose mammary glands were so large they couldn't find measuring tape to measure those enormous melons? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. W-A-B-C. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 W-A-B-C. Let's go, You know, Matt Blaze, you had so much radio clutter there. I was getting clogging of the arteries waiting to come back. What the hell is that? You know, you do have Frank Morano. You know, he scratches his belly in between breaks. But really, this is me, Curtis Sleeper. I threw out all those questions. Restaurant, Pachi Court, where Rooney would be in a drunken rage down the block while across the street. Madam Conaseca, not wearing a sweater like her husband, coach of the... That's right, I said it, St. John's Redmond. They'll always be Redmond to me. Stirring the gravy and the macaroni while Lou is going. Could I have a piece of Italian bread and check it out? And across the street, this great restaurant that had a bocce court. How many? How many tips can I give you? And nobody's gotten it yet. 1-800-848-9222. In the meantime, let's go to Gino in upstate New York. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Gino. Hi, Curtis. Uh... About Rocky Graziano, how's that? For, yes, uh, yes, Rocky Graziano. And what muffler was he promoting at that time, Gino? Excuse me? What muffler was he promoting at that time? 
Uh, <laughs> I know he did the commercial. Was it Midas or uh, wait a minute? Well, wait a minute. No, no, you, you, you need to know because you're only halfway there, pal. I know, I know, I know that was it. As I seen him on TV doing it. Uh, it's two. There's a minus and there's a diff- another one with the same starts with an M also. I think. Oh, another one. Hmm. Yeah. You ever hear those? Know. You ever hear those uh, cherry bomb mufflers and make it seem like yeah, the course. guys <laughs> running by are going to launch World War Three and do a drive-by on no. you? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah well, wait, wait, hey, wait. I, Let, let's take I, it to it. it. Let's take Rocky Graziano. Got washed out of the guy. army he because he he knocked out a sergeant. Know, right, he, A.W. He was, re, he was in reform school. He, went, he, he did. He, he was a wild guy. He a tough he was guy. A, tough. He wasn't a boxer. He was a brawler. He was great though. He, yeah, let me he tell you. Tough. Remember, he had a pizza parlor on the Upper East Side. That's right. I remember. Don't. I bumped into him on Bridge Street in Brooklyn one day. When I was walking around. Hey, let me tell you. So hold on a second. I, I didn't finish talking about how horrible that pizza was there, man. That was like eating yeah. sawdust on on a on a, a, a flat piece of bread. Oh my god! Yeah, and they had Rocky Graziano pictures all over the place on the Upper East Side. Yeah. I said, "Hey, yeah. hey, Mexican guy! You know they had Mexican guys yeah. making pizza, which is like if I go to a Mexican restaurant, I don't want to see Italians making burritos, right? I want to see Mexicans making <laughs> pizza." Right. He was the first to hire Mexicans. That cheapskate. And what about that time he was in Gary, Indiana against Tony Zale, tough Ukrainian oh, Tony, Tony Zale, and there was Graziano bleeding and yeah. Tony Zale yeah, bleeding in one another. And it brought East Europeans together with the boot in Italy, Graziano and Tony Zale together forever. After that. But I'm I disappointed you in you. I'm far. disappointed in you, Gino. You struck me as a man that would read Motor Trend magazine each and every month, right? You couldn't wait to get your subscription to Motor Trend magazine. Am I right, Gino? <laughs> and you don't know what muffler company that Rocky... Miles, Miles? Was it oh, Miles? Oh, 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 there's possibilities here. You're getting close. You're getting warm. You're getting warm. Ashbet, Ashbet, one year, Ashbet, Ashbet, one year, cheat to cheat. Okay, Ashbet. I'll wait for you. I'll wait, hey, Gino. I'll wait. I'll wait in the car, like John there in Staten uh, Island, with no freaking muffler there, right? Uh, you ever hear a guy call up all the time? He's no muffler. It's like a, a bunch of bees in the muffler. <laughs> I had one of those. I had a 396 Chevelle in my day. Yeah, let me tell you something. I would have pulled nice you nice over. One. I would have said 5 nice Let me one. Let me write you up tickets for having an ill-functioning muffler. That'll be $1,285. Right, Gino? Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> Gino, what muffler company did Rocky Graziano? Not Marziano. Graziano. 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 Hawk, Hawk. What, what, what was that? Ashbet, Ashbet. Hey, I'm, I'm waiting a month of Sundays here. I'm telling uh-huh. you. I go to the junkyard. Why is this so difficult? Not Rocky Marciano. Rocky Graziano. Graziano had a pizza parlor. I bought a slice one day. He had a Mexican guy behind the counter. This is when... You didn't have Mexican guys selling pizza. Now, almost every pizza parlor you go, if they're not from uh, Albania pretending to be Italians or from Montenegro, they're Mexicans. But back then, it was like, if I go to a Mexican restaurant, right, do I want to see Mexicans serving or preparing the food? Yes. 
When I go to a Chinese restaurant, do I want somebody coming out who says I'm from Lithuania, who's like six foot nine and I need an oxygen mask to be able to look up at? No. When I get my fortune cookie, I want it to be a Chinese guy. And you know, I really love to bust their stones. When I go to Wohop, Wohop 1, Wohop 2, you know, Wohop 1 in the basement. You know, Frank Morano, that cheapskate, he's got alligator arms. He loves to go to Wohop. He goes with friends. Hey, let's go to Wohop. Then he goes, oh, I got an emergency. Carmine broke out in hives. Uh, I'll catch up with you later. And then he eats like nine bowls of chopped suey and leaves. And then you ask the waiters. All I want, very simply, is a bowl of chopped suey. And they said, what the hell is chop suey? I said, look, are you Cantonese or are you Mandarin? Neither. I'm from Macau. Oh, so you speak Portuguese? No. You're from Hong Kong? No. Where are you from? Mongolia. Oh, that answers everything. You grew up on yak milk, right? I want a simple bowl of chop suey. I don't want no noodles. I don't want no Madison Square Garden, MSG, Manono pseudonym, glutinate or whatever. It's going to cause me to have high blood pressure and a heart attack. I want a freaking simple bowl of chop suey. And do you know these new Asian Chinese waiters do not know what chop suey is? It was a staple. It was an institution. Let me tell you, there were so many Jewish men and Jewish women who on a Sunday night while the Gentiles were at home, trying to understand if they were going to live for another week because they had not gone to confession on Saturday, and they feared J.C., so they wouldn't venture out to a Chinese restaurant. But if not for Jews, Chinese would be out of business because on Sunday you would look at a Chinese restaurant and it would be packed. Packed! And there's Ira over there with his family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, this this guy over here, you know, he doesn't leave a tip cheapskate here, right? Oh, the Chinese waiters, you know, gruff. Very few manners, you know. Here's the bowl. He throw the bowl like a wohop, throw it on the table. I said, look, I want to make it very simple for you, Hop Singh. Can I say Hop Singh? Is that derogatory, Ken? Am I going to get in trouble also? That was a name that was used. All right? Could I have a freaking bowl of chopped suey? And they look at me like I'm speaking a strange language. Like I'm from Tibet. Like I follow the Dalai Lama. Like I'm Richard Gare. And all of a sudden, I'm there with my chiffon robes on with the Dalai Lama. And I'm worshiping the Dalai Lama. And how did that gerbil get out? Whatever happened to that gerbil? Boy, that was freaky deaky. I ever tell you the story Anderson Cooper has told and wrote in his memoirs that his mother had sent him with two of her male friends to see Richard Gere in a play on Off-Broadway. And Anderson Cooper said, when I saw Richard Gere on that stage, I knew I was gay. Looking at Richard Gere, you knew you were gay? I thought... You know, he's animal friendly. He loves gerbils. That's all I knew when he loved the Dalai Lama. No, no, no. Look, hey, not, I'm a libertarian. What you do in the privacy, the privacy of your bedroom is your business. But, oh, my God, abuse a gerbil with all the electronic, technological items that have been created for freaks like you. Why did you do that to a little gerbil? 
And under the guise of being an adherent, a disciple, in a shafan shmata of the Dalai Lama, who is considered, again, to be infallible. You know, you got the Dalai Lama in the Far East. You got the Pope in the Far West. And can I tell these uh, smarty smarts, no man, no woman is infallible. As my father, Chester, said, hey, Curtis, the Pope, they put on their trousers one leg at a time, just like you and me. Infallible and not infallible, if anything. They're fallible, just like you and everyone else. Why did he torture that gerbil? Well, 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 please. I, that reminds me, the Animal Welfare Hour is coming up. Not in this next hour, no, but in the 11 o'clock hour. The most called into, the most discussed, and obviously will be very controversial tonight as we talk about the life and time of that Richard Care gerbil who was so loyal, so loyal to Richard, but he was not loyal to that gerbil. What happened to that gerbil? You know, I found out what happened to the uh, the monkey who was with Michael Jackson, that pedophile on a pedestal, right? Bubbles, he's in a sanctuary in Florida. Where is the Richard Jer Care, whatever the hell he calls himself, gerbil, I need to know. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Another facelift, he will snap like an old rubber band. I never forget the time I landed on the tarmac in Vegas for the very first time. Hotter than hell. The asphalt was percolating. It was that hot. I was on Southwest Airlines when people weren't complaining about Southwest. When they actually, the stewardesses and the stewards would tell jokes they'd entertain. They had Hawaiian shirts before that became synonymous with the Proud Boys. And even the pilots and co-pilots would do a dance routine in the aisles. It was a great airline. And then as we landed and we coasted up to uh, the terminal. I saw a billboard after billboard of Barry Manilow, and I said, oh, my God. 
I want a projectile vomit right now. I know he's one of our own, Brooklyn Williams. Yeah, I've heard the stories, the jingles, the songs. Yeah, yeah. Who could ever forget playing his piano at that piano bar? And who was singing there at that time, ladies and gentlemen, for another movie prize? Where did I see that? I was staying at Barrel Street. This was the apartment of my sister, Alita, who was older than I, and she was in the uh, road show of hair. I was traveling through Europe in Amsterdam. And she said, how would you like to have the apartment for the summer? Barrow Street. And I would hear in the distance Barry Manilow and who else singing at a piano bar down the block. And momentarily, I almost was lured into a life in which my gender identity might have been changed. But somehow, some way. My genes, my DNA kicked in and said, nah, not for me. Not for me. But who was that singer that I was talking about? In fact, she does her Twitter account now like the schnoz Streisand out in California and always seems to get herself into double trouble, right? You think Twitter is for the few, the brave, those who love making jackasses out of themselves and can defend it, unlike those who shrink away and say, I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. My God, nobody's getting any of my trivia questions. I, I don't understand. Oh, wait. We have somebody who has said that they have scored the trifecta, the trinity, the troika, and have, are able to answer all three trivia questions. This is a miracle, a miracle. First off, um, Ken. Ken, can you come to the microphone? How the hell do you pronounce that name? I mean, what what is it? Multisyllabic? Can you even pronounce what you just printed? I think out? he said it was Shakar. You think? You want to go on? Uh, just talk to him real quick. Get pronounced. Hooked on phonics. Say it the right way. I don't want to be the Jadru on this. See, he throws up anything, and then the guy has to correct me. I want him to correct Kent, the runway model, a guy who has a, a muscle between both ears. Uh, the correct pronunciation, Kent? Shakar. Ah, see? A little different there, huh? Yeah, it's good. A second time. Did you clear the wax out of your ears? See, I can pimp slap him around because Frank, when he comes in at 1 to 5, the other side of midnight, he's like, Oh, Ken, you're so handsome. Be careful, Rachel. You never know. But then again, nowadays, come see, come saw, right? I'm a libertarian. It's okay, Frank. You know, but remember Carmine. Remember Rachel. Remember South Shore, Staten Island. They, they're not as open-minded as I am, are they? Let's go to Shakar. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Shakar. I forgot to correct you. Curtis, Shakar. Ha, ha, ha. Shakar. Very good, like a shofar, like a shofar, right? Well, on that idea, ha, 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 shakar. Anyway, I got three answers for you tonight, okay? I've been meaning to call you before, but I could never get through. But tonight I got to call you, okay? I'm waiting, I'm waiting. The Italian restaurant, Il Vagabondo. Yes! A beautiful place. Now, another old, old question of yours was a pimp dealer whose nickname was Red. Now, I got the answer for that. Malcolm X. Yes! And then where did a Jimmy Cagney reside? In Stanfordville in Dutchess County. Yes! Curtis, I love you, man. I'm a big supporter. No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I don't go that way. Okay. Well, I'm a big supporter. 
You're great. I lo- we don't love get nervous. You. Don't get nervous. I we turned you down. You. I turned you. Maybe Ken. Ken, what do you think? No, no, no. I'm a straight guy. I'm a straight guy. Oh, well, look, you can dabble. You're brilliant, man. If we fucking look, freaking me... love you, okay? Yeah, no, 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 no. I, uh, please. I don't want to swap spit with you. I don't want to lip lock with you. No, uh, no, no. But Il Vagabondo, what a beautiful place. Oh, huh? what a great place. What a great place to hang out. I noticed, great did you place. ever go there when you would see the black cowboy hat? You would think at first, maybe it's Simon's, and you would say, no, man, that's the world's Toughest guy ever, Jake LaMotta. I never saw him there, but I've been there many times. Hey, I'll bet you were there many times trying to find your sexuality. If he would have come up to me and said, I love you, Curtis, I'd say, I don't go that way. You know, there's plenty of guys who do. That's why so many women get so upset on the island of Manhattan because all of a sudden you get a guy, like, as Frank would describe, you can. What a handsome man. I'm saying, like, is, this, is Frank flirting with him? And then all of a sudden, a guy like Ken, the runway model, he's at Wendy's, and he's fighting over the croutons at the salad bar with another fine-looking man. And the women are wondering, what about us? What about us? Not enough men to go around on the island of Manhattan, Ken. Remember, hey, look. You're free to identify on any given day, at any given hour, in any given week, in any given month of any year. And whatever you tell us your gender identification or sexuality is, we must accept it. Asexual one day, I will never have sex again. And the next day, you're polyamorous having sex with everything that breathes, inhales, exhales, and moves. And we're supposed to accept that. I would call you a nut job, but... Hey, can't do that any longer. Let's go to Loretta, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Loretta. Hi, Curtis. I would like to respond to the gentleman from New Jersey, if I could. Yes, his name was Rich. Did he badger me or what, Loretta? Um, I don't get it. Um, uh, I'm 100% Italian, okay? And in grammar school, St. Dorothy's on Highland Boulevard, Sixth grade, seventh grade, the Irish kids would call us Guinea, Guinea, Wop, 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 Guinea, Guinea, Wop. And we would call them, you Irish Mick. So what? We let it roll off our back. Well, Loretta, I also threw in one, Spudhead, Spudhead, Spudhead. And and uh, he doesn't know that you're an equal opportunity offender. It's not personal with you. It's business, like like they said in the Godfather movie. It's obesities. Right. This is how you conduct business. That's right. Hey, look, uh, how many times would I call a Polak and a Yambo, right? I mean, look, I get it. I get it. He's telling you to watch your lip on your show. Watch my... That's like a threat, like he's going to punch my nose right down my throat, right? Right, but why is he so thin-skinned? In life, you, it's good to develop a thick skin. Well, so I'll tell you, it... based on what he said when he dropped the N-bomb, and we had to drop him, uh, Black Lives Matter is now outside of his house. He lives in a large mansion, so they are going to requisition the mansion because they are now, BLM has become big, large mansions. So don't worry about it. They're taking care of Rich. Right. But I, 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 I thank you for your stellar defense, Loretta. I would have been given the guillotine by Robespierre in the Paris Commune. You keep doing what you're doing the way you do it. Well, I don't drop the M-bomb. 
I'm not who stupid though, like uh, rich. Let's go to Tommy in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here, WABC. Tommy. Curtis, Curtis. Um, what about uh, the, your muffler company was Meineke? Very good. Very good. Okay. Meineke versus Midas. Excellent. Midas. Excellent. I have a question for you. Yes. Do you know why so many Italians are named Tony? Hey, Tony, as I call him. Hey, Anthony, Tony. No, why? Anthony, right. Right. Well, when they come, when they were coming from Italy, they put little signs on them that said "To New York." Balabin. To New York, <laughs> Tony. Think about it. Anyway, what? Hold on. You know, is- you know Pat Cooper. I knew Pat Cooper. You're no Pat Cooper, Tommy. But that was a good one. No, I know Pat Cooper. That was a good what? one. <laughs> give me, you give me the big one. Okay. All right. What does what, what does uh, Fiat stand for? You know the Italian car Fiat. Yeah, well, what does it stand for? Fix it again, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> you got to like that one at least. Give me uh, one. Hey, 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 look, yeah, hey, yeah, don't yeah. get carried away with yourself. Like I said, you know Pat Cooper. But, hey, meds and meds and no. poker poker. You're half and half. It's okay. Half and half. I mean, I'm, I'm a McGinney, mate. That's why I'm a half and half. I'm a McGinney. Yeah. yeah, but I'm trying to explain to people, Tommy, that the term Guinea came about because Italians were imported to the Suez Canal. They were having a tough time digging it, finishing it, and they left it to the Italians, and each week they would pay them in guineas, which was the Spanish coin, like the doubloon, which was like considered international currency. And so the name stuck. Pay me in guineas, they would say. Okay. I think I heard something about that before myself. No, no, no. What, what do you mean you think you heard something like that? That doesn't come mm-hmm. to my defense. That's hearsay, Tommy. You have to ex- you. you have to expeditiously <laughs> say, I definitely heard it on the History Channel. I did not hear it on the History Channel. I won't say I, won't say I did. But I think I might have heard That's it. You're gone. With a witness like Tommy, right, he's supposed to be defending me. I'd, I'd be facing uh, the death penalty and arsoning and sing-sing. They would light me up in Old Sparky. You know how many Italians got lit up in Old Sparky? Oh, my. Like every second guy had a vowel at the end of his name. And you know what? They deserved it. Our number is one 800 Let's go. Mm, I don't know. This guy may be a little too risque. Yeah, no, I don't think I'll go that way. See, I get a little risque myself, and it attracts, likes attract, right? I get these freaky deaky callers here. Ah, I know where the line is. I know where the line is. I'm not going to you or you or you or you. That's right, use. That's what it is, use. Plural, right? You. And what is plural? Use. Y-O-U-S-E. Look it up in the dictionary. A lot of people say, you're grammatically incorrect, Curtis. No. I would love it for a grammatician out there. You know, like somebody like Frank Morano who said, oh, that's improper grammar. You know, use a semicolon there, please. What the hell are you talking about? You know, he's the kind of guy, Frank Morano, you're out at a restaurant. You know damn well alligator arms is not going to pay for it. And then all of a sudden he sees you. You're like ready to bite into what you ordered, the entree. And he takes it out of your mouth and says, don't eat that. That's not good for you. Like Mama Morano, right? Like, what is it? What is wrong with this guy?
Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Trish, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Trish. Oh, hey, Curtis. You are No, 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 the excuse man. me. Excuse me. Hold on. The, the song was Hey Jude. There is no song Hey Curtis. Oh, I said Hey Curtis. It's Curtis to you. <laughs> well, you are the man with the plan. And uh, even prior to you running for the mayor's office, you had a plan for Rikers Island. And I thought it was brilliant. Tricia, Tricia, I was the only one ever housed on Rikers Island. Everyone is like an expert. Oh, Rikers Island. That that big campus to set up for the mentally ill Mm. and, you know, the killers and the drunks. And now it would be people with pronouns and whatever. Tricia is continuing to speak. Into the darkness of the night where we are now heard in 38 states, parts of Canada. A sliver of Europe and right on down at Davy Jones's lucky. She's still talking and does not realize that I introduced her to Mr. Click. Right between the Bahamas and Bermuda. Because you see, they're so consumed in what they have to say. that They don't even realize that I've gone away and they'll talk. And they'll talk and then talk and then realize, oh, he must have gotten disconnected. No, I introduced you to Mr. Click, Trish. Let's go to Stan, the man from Forest Hills. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Stan. How are you? Good evening, sir. By the way, you're cheating. Uh, you realize you are regularly heard with Rita Cosby. <laughs> now you caught me. You caught me. You're huh? cheating. You're cheating on Rita. <laughs> hey. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Hey, two of the greatest entertainers would use say each other Dago and Dago all the time. That was Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin all the time when yes. they'd be on stage. Nobody complained. No one said it. The Italian defamation league never said it. Nope. And they would say now, when they were now, wearing tuxedos. Stan, where they would have complained, the Italian-American Civil Rights League, is if Sammy Davis Jr. called him a Dago, huh? They called him plenty of things. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and believe me, he ate it all up. He ate it. I mean, he was pretty good. The question, I, a serious question. Why is it when our African-American friends call each other the N-word, they get away with it and no one says anything? Now, Jewish people will never call each other kike, the word kike. Never will do that. They, I don't know if it's a respect for one another or what. You explain it to me. Uh, give me all of five seconds to think about this, Stan. He's just having fun, and all of a sudden, Stan got serious. He, it's like, you know, I was at the point of climax. I was really excited, and then all of a sudden, I went limp. Flash it. I was no longer turgid. Guy like Stan does. See, he cheated on Rita. This is what wow, happened. Wow, wow, wow. Cheated. And now look at me. I'm a eunuch. Outrageous. <sighs> Let's go to David calling from Manhattan. Uh, your turn to be heard here at WABC, David. Hey, uh, Curtis, uh, what about the term uh, greaseball for Italian? You heard that, right? All the greaseball. time. All the time. Yeah, yeah. Where'd that come from? Because they put the grease in the hair, right? Oh, hell yes. And remember, yeah, yeah. my grandfather, yeah. Fidel Bianchino, he said the only way to grease down, because that's what they called it, greasing down, was you had to get second press 
virgin right. olive oil Bertoli. Right. Had right. to be. And boy, let me tell you, your, <laughs> your hair would shine. Yeah. It'd have a sheen yeah, on it. Had it had a sheen. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, your grease ball. Yeah. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. Yeah. God, man. I'm, I'm getting the Frank Morano office. Uh, Frank Morano uh, audience now, you know, they, that, that see that stand just suck the air right out of the room. I don't want cheaters. If you're loyal to another talk show host or hostess here, whether it's Dominic Carter, Rita Cosby, Frank the Mama Luke Morano, please maintain your loyalty. Don't, don't cheat. Don't cheat on them. Because look at what Stan did. We were on a roll. We were having such a good time in any... I don't want to ask you a serious question. I knew it was going south right there. He got it. He wants to get me, a white guy, talking about the end bomb. You see? You see, Matt, he's troublemaker. He's hoping that I would slip up. I know what that is. No, no, he didn't get me. Can you believe what that guy said? Yes, I can, Rita. Let's go to uh, Chrissy uh, in Vermont. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Chrissy. Yes. Hi. Hi. How are you, Curtis? I'm not too yeah, good you, because Stan just poured water on our party, man. I'm. I'm not. I'm not in a good mood now. I was in. I. It's like I was on ecstasy, right? And now all of a sudden, it's like I'm on Prozac. Well, you referred to a guinea as something lat- Latina or Latino, and as a matter of fact, a guinea. A pound is 20 shillings. A guinea is 21 shillings. Ah, so I stand to be corrected. I thought it was a Spaniard piece of currency. See, I watch too many of those pirate movies. You see, Kyra Christopher? Well, I don't know. All I know is that I was married to an English girl named Elizabeth, and she was Queen Elizabeth, and she taught me an awful lot, and that was one of them. A guinea is 21 shillings, British. And aren't you to this day fulfilled that you know what nobody else knows, Christopher? What uh, what does that make me? You you can (laughs) put your chest out there. You're proud, man. You know something. Christopher, you know something that, quite frankly, most of us did not know because we watched all those Blackbeard pirate movies when they would talk about doubloons. We've got to raid the the British fleet and get the doubloons and the guineas, right? You remember that, Christopher? Yeah, I do. But I do. But, But, you know, Curtis, what it tells you, is how much the currency has been devalued because a, a guinea as opposed to a pound, which was 20 shillings. A oh, dude, look at what Stan has done. <laughs> He's ruined it. This guy is like, my God, what does he work for, the Federal Reserve? I mean, oh, my God. All the fun got sucked out of the room. We were having such a good time. See, I, you see, I, I, I should never take cheaters. Those who are loyal to a particular talk show and are favored by the hostess or host, whether it's in the affirmative or the negative, I, I should I should not have done that. I, I know this is going to go south here. Let's go to Ann in Connecticut. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Ann. Oh, see, it, it's really going south. Let me compose myself. I'm about to lose it. 
if I could kill Stan right now in Forest Hills for being like a cold cup of water you just poured on this party we had going on to the break of dawn. Oh, my God. I hate that guy. I really do, Sid. I, I despise him. I loathe him. He started out, he was laughing like a hyena, right? You notice that laugh? You knew that that was a full laugh. He was setting me up, and then all he said, let me ask you a serious question. We haven't been serious all night. Theater of the mind. Let, let me, Padre Filius Spiritus Sanctum, let me compose myself. And when we come back, let's try to get back on track. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. What a great classic, The Castaways. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Should be gotten the new theme song for George. Is that your real name, Santos? I mean, never before has somebody been more the focus of the paparazzi and media as he got sworn into office. What a double disgraziata. What a double shot. And there he is. He's making the white power symbol. What a schmuck. But this song is dedicated to George Santos, by the way, from Brazil, where they are prepared to extradite him for kiting checks. I didn't say kike. I said kite. Don't try to get me into trouble, Ken. I said kiting checks. And I expect him to be extradited to... uh, Barcelona land, which is now going through its own January 6th. Did you see? Did you see that? It's crazy Brazilians. You know, they couldn't win World Cup, so they're devastated. They lost Pele. So they decide, what the hell? Let's have a January 6th of our our own in Brasilia. Have any of you ever been to Brasilia? I haven't been. But I read about it where? In National Geographic, when I would get that magazine every month and I would hope the feature would be about Polynesia and women in grass skirts with no tops on. Remember? And it was considered educational. Maybe for you, not for me. But apparently uh, Polynesia never resonated on the National Geographic map. None of the issues I got. And instead I remember there was an entire... Oh, like half the National Geographic dedicated to how the capital city of uh, Brazil was built from scratch. I think it was 1956 or 57, perfect grid, everything in place. In fact, the city looked like uh, what Albany looked like when Nelson Rockefeller, the world's richest man, who, by the way, had a weird penchant and desire that at night he wanted one bottle of Dubonnet and a package of Oreo double-stuffed cookies. Dubonnet. 
winos would drink Dubonnet. The world's richest guy didn't want fine champagne or imported wine. He wanted a bottle of Dubonnet. And let's not forget, many have said, I remember seeing a prostate Nelson Rockefeller as he was being wheeled into uh, Lexington Avenue, that hospital there, Lenox Hill. Already stiff. He was beginning to uh, show signs that he had passed into the hereafter. But he wasn't stiff where it counted because... uh, Matt, did you ever know the real story how the former world's richest man, man was destined to become president, got a divorce, and back then that was it. It was over. You got a divorce. Why'd you marry happy? Huh? Why'd you? You're not happy now, are you? You can't be president. But he became vice president when Gerald, I can't chew gum and think at the same time, Ford. Yeah, remember, he was the Speaker of the House, yeah. You got it, Kevin, all right. You, yeah, McCarthy, whatever the hell your name is, your hayseed from Bakersfield. And he went on to become president of the United States, as Richard Nixon said. America's got to know that its president is not a crook. Well, you were, so get the hell out of here on Marine One. Go ahead, go up to San Clemente. Uh, get out of here. And who'd we end up with, Gerald Ford? I mean, this guy would fall on the tarmac. He'd be out hitting golf balls out there in uh, Palm Springs in Cali, Cali. And who was it? Squeaky Farm who tried to kill him, right? You know, part of the Manson crew and misfired the gun. And then his wife, half in the bag, right? They named a rehab facility after her. Where did he come from? Grand Rapids, Michigan, the capital of... Of Amway. Dutch reformed, yes. And the home of Floyd Mayweather, whose father was his boxing coach, a great fighter in his own right called the Mongoose. Gee, I'm a treasure trove of information tonight. And why am I talking about Brasilia? Because the... Loyalists of Bolsonaro, the Trump-like former president who said he wasn't going to leave unless he was carried out on a gurney. He left. And where did you go? Where are you going, Bolsonaro? You lost the election to Lula, Lulu, whatever the hell his name is. Oh, I'm going to Disney World. He did the bird, and you should have known that January 6th was coming. So they went into the uh, presidential palace. They went into the Federale uh, buildings, and they sacked it. Just like on January 6th here, in solidarity. And Bolsonaro said, I had no idea what they were going to do. Liar, 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 liar. Let me hear that. Let me hear that song, please. Let's do the fruit, yeah? Come on, get up there. Do the fruit. Let's do the twist and shout. Chubby Checker, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, yeah! Love this song, Castaways. 
so good, right? How come I never hear Cousin Lucy play this uh, song? How come I never hear Cousin Vinnie Madunio play this song? How come I never hear Tony Orlando without Dawn play this song? Inquiring minds want to know why is it left to Curtis Lewa to revive the castaways, the classic liar, liar, pants on fire, as they do the frug on the stage, right? Yeah, frug it, frug it. Would you have done a pickle pan on American Bandstand with Dick Clark with this, huh? Pickle pan. If I know many of you, you would have panned it. It's just like on the cusp of moving into the era of hippy-dippies. Peace, love, and happiness. Hate Ashbury. Golden Gate Park, yeah. With uh, flowers in your hair. Sure, flowers in your hair. Let's go to Paul on Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Paulie. Hey, how's it going, Curtis? It's an honor. Yeah, well, wait, wait, wait. You know how it's going? I'm back on track because that that stand, that 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 Shanda in Forest Hills destroyed <laughs> what was a great night. We were having such a good time, and then he said, "Well, let's get serious for a moment." Oh my God! <laughs> I hear him call on Rita a lot, also. Uh, she enjoys him, it seems. Yeah, yeah, well, that's I her was... guy. That's her caller. He's cheating on Rita, and I'm going to report that to Rita Cosby when she comes in tomorrow, that's for sure. She She's well aware of it, I'm sure, by now. I I, I mentioned to the call screener about, uh, I don't know if we're still doing it, but the Nintendo game, when they use the Mario Brothers, that's a little, uh, you know, a little on the edge of that. Oh, that's right. Well. They looked like little botchigaloops, didn't they? And they, they, the way they accented it's a me, a Mario. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How come, no how, come, how come that guy, Rich, who dropped the N-bomb, how come he's criticizing me for talking about guineas, wops, and dagos? He drops the N-bomb, and he doesn't even mention Super Mario. I, I, and I wanted to mention something on that. I think one of the funniest bits I've ever seen on that was uh, Eddie Murphy. When he did the stand-up with the, uh, you know, the Rocky movies and stuff, that part in the movie theater was just incredibly funny, man. By taking that away from the ability of comedy, you're really separating. And, and you know, when you add that into it, it's kind of, uh, you know, makes it a unification of... Let me ask you a question, Paul. You were on a roll. Why are you doing a BBC to me now, right? An NPR to me. Why, why are you getting serious on me, Paul? Really, seriously. You were on a roll. You were, you were hitting all your marks. The Mario Brothers, Mr. Bacigalup, right? And now all of a sudden you're like, you know, intellectually, I was always wondering, this is not an intellectual program! <laughs> God, haven't you figured that out by now? I'm a high school dropout. See, everybody, they they get their moments on WABC, the number one news talk station in the nation, and at first they hear themselves on reverb, you know. They say, boy, I sound a little goofy there, you know. I'm having too good a time. I got to be serious, man, like on NPR and the BBC. Like somehow, whatever you say, whatever drips from your lips, it's going to change the world. Not. Oh, God. Oh, what, 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 what can be done? That Stan, he ruined the current. It's like he was an undertow. We were, we were getting washed out to sea, to paradise.
You know what it was? It was like we were on Gilligan's Island. And you had Marianne, and you know who I had. Hey, yeah, Tina. Hey, Ken. Oh, that's right. You don't go that way. You wouldn't know what anything I'm talking about. There was right Marianne, and there was right Tina. Oh, Tina. Oh. Uh, oh, Ginger. Oh, sure. Well, you could yeah, you could have said it, uh, you know, what, what are you, afraid, intimidated? Why, you, when you correct Frank Morano, he, he breaks down and cries like a little mamaluke? Well, you know. You know, you go into uh, Frank's room there, and uh, he's acknowledged on the radio, a little freaky to me, in the fact that he has such a lovely, loyal wife, Rachel. But on the ceiling in his bedroom, he has the picture of that green woman that was having sex with Captain Kirk in Star Trek. He said he thought that was the sexiest woman he had ever seen. And on the other uh, part of the ceiling, there's a Betty Grable-style picture where she's showing her gams, Betty White. He thought at 99, Betty White was, like, really hot to trot. And I believe it. Imagine that's what Rachel has to compete with, a green woman who had fornicated and copulated with Captain Kirk. I I loathe, I hate, I despise Captain Kirk. I want to deport him back to Canada. Remember there was a day, I'll never forget, it was on WINS, 20 minutes will change the world, and I heard that a woman... Married to Captain Kirk, but somehow drowned in the family pool up there somewhere where the Chinook winds blow. I think it was through Calgary or Edmonton or possibly even maybe Regina or Saskatchewan. I'm trying desperately to figure that out, but I'll never forget the news headline. And they went to Captain Kirk somewhere in California, and he was coming out of his house with his flip-flops on, and... He went to pick up the newspaper, and he started reading the newspaper. And they said, what do you have to say about your wife drowning in your family pool back in Canada? And he was too busy reading page six to care. You know he did it. You you know that. You know Robert Wagner did it. You know Natalie Wood was married to on... On that yacht, you would have no idea what I'm talking about, Ken. Yeah, yeah, Robert Wagner. He's still, he's still considered a suspect in the murder of Natalie Wood. How many years later? Off Catalina Island. And what the hell was crazy man Christopher Walken doing, arguing with Robert Wagner on that yacht, huh? Crazy man, right, right? I mean, think about that. We still haven't resolved that case. And then Kurt Cobain, right? He's he's nominated as one of the greatest singers of all time by Rolling Stone. Great band, grunge rock. Not a great singer, I'm sorry. And we know, Ken, it was not Kurt Cobain who took that sort of shotgun and put it under his chin. It was Courtney Love. Come on, let's face it. There's so many enigmas out there. I'm trying, I'm trying the best I can to right the wrongs. I go where no talk show hosts ever go. I go into the erogenous zone of discussion. Those sensitive issues that others would shy away from, and I plunge in.
whole hog. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Frank in New Jersey. Very tepidly, please. Uh, yes, Frank, how may I be of help to you, Frank? I know what happened to Richard Gere's gerbil, but first I want to ask you, have you checked on the polar bear population lately? Hmm. Now, are you referring to the men and women who jump into the Atlantic Ocean on January 1st in Coney Island and Asbury Park and other beaches up and down the East Coast? No, I'm referring to actual polar bears. No. What's happening to the polar bears, Frank? Well, we were told that they're going extinct, but the population has been booming so much, they removed the ban on polar bear hunting. So you can go online right now and book a trip if you want. I wouldn't do it because I do animal rescue, but it's just the fact I like to share. Wait. Don't, my wife is coming up at 11 o'clock. This will break his, her heart. She, she's mad enough that half in the bag Murphy allowed the bear hunting to exist in New Jersey to call the herd. She'll never forgive half in the bag Murphy for that. And now I have to tell her, starting at 11 o'clock, that they are hunting polar bears now. Oh, my God, this will break her heart, Frank. I do a lot of animal rescue, just like you guys, Curtis. We can't let this happen, Frank. We cannot let them slaughter polar bears. What do we tell our children and grandchildren? Remember the polar bear. When they look at the polar bear, they say, that's different. I mean, who else is going to play first base for the Mets? Alonzo, right? What are they going to do with polar bear? Are they going after Pete Alonso? Are they, Frank? Well, at least the kids don't have to have nightmares about the polar bears dying from global warming. You're going after Alonzo or the Mets? One Met I actually have respect for from Florida. He didn't melt down there as a polar bear. Man, he can hit them long and high and deep. You're going after polar bear. That'll break Nancy's heart. I'm not going to tell her. I'm not going to disturb her tonight in the Animal Welfare Hour based on what Frank had to say. And by the way, he was prepared to slip a mickey to us about what happened to the gerbils that used to follow Richie Gere whenever he would be following the Dalai Lama. The Dalai Lama would have his posse of subjects. They would bang a drum. They would wear a shmata. They would fly a flag. And then there was Richard Gere there in his chiffon robe. Why is it that everywhere the Richard Gere went, soon to follow would be a gerbil? I ask you that. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Chris in Ozone Park. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Chris. Hi, Curtis. Um, I wanted to know if you knew, knew the, der- der- the derivation of the word cop. You mean the term that refers in truncated fashion to police officer? Yes. <laughs> COP, uh, community officer patrol. What is that? No. Um, in England, a long time ago, the officers would come into the precinct. They go on duty, and they had to sign the logbook. And they had to put, like, John Smith, COP, and it meant constable on patrol. So that's where a cop comes from. A constable. On patrol. But that, 
Kurtz, Kurtz, let me let me ask you let me ask you a question. You're out there, right? You're a cop. You want to be called a constable? You say you messing around with me? You calling me a constable? I'm a cop. I'm a police officer. (laughs) Well, they do things different in England, I guess. Yeah, they carry no guns. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah, that's a smart. But and also, I was trying to get you last night. Did you ever find out um, Dawn's information? I'm looking for Dawn. I can't yeah. find Dawn. Can, could I please? I'm looking for Dawn. I'm so desperate. I was referred to Dawn by the mayor of the city of New York, Eric Adams. As yes, you know, I, I mean, dutifully responded to this rap invasion that's taking place in our five boroughs. And, uh, I know. And immediately I was told that, thank you, but no thank you. You must sign up for our intern program at City Hall that is overseen by a woman named Dawn. And I've yet... You want to know her last name? Yeah. Do you know? Do you know, Chris? Yeah. I've tried to get you all night last night. Oh, my God. Wait. Let me get my... Let me get my number two pencil. Make sure it's sharpened here. Make sure it's not lead-lined. I hate to be chewing on it and then all of a sudden die of lead poisoning. How long does it take you to get Frankie Valley right, in the Four Seasons Dawn? What the hell is wrong with you? Hold on a second. got to set the mood, Chris. Hold on. Here he goes. Here he goes. Okay. Yes. told by El Capitano, better known as the House Mouse, in the 22 years that he served in the NYPD, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, always hiding in a precinct wherever he was transferred to, that he accepted my offer to be the nighttime rat star, but that I would first have to become an intern at City Hall and report to a woman named Dawn with no last name. And by the way... I'd have to make my bones and earn my stripes by going out and getting a cup of coffee for all those deadbeat slackers and uh, those no-show jobbers, right? Who is the yeah. infamous mm-hmm. Dawn, Chris? Who is the infamous Dawn? Okay, her name is Dawn Miller, and Dawn. her title is First Deputy Mayor Ooh. of NYC. Wow, she's a big marker, First Deputy Mayor, Dawn Miller. Wow. Yeah. Now, now, so what do I do? Do I, do, do I show up with an apple? You know, like, uh, uh, do I ask tips from Alex, who's a big brown nose of Frank Morano, his producer? You know, how do I brown nose Dawn Miller, first deputy mayor? Do I call her well, Madam yeah. Deputy Mayor? What do I do? The apple sounds good. No, actually, I would screw it. I wouldn't even show up. Do I tell her, hey, how is that? Uh, how is it working for that crook Frank Corona who's resigned? Uh, how do I do? I get into that whole thing. Oh God! Yeah, when are you going to sleep? Though you're you're constantly at ABC, then you get a couple of hours, just go home and sleep. Chris, because you're you tw- you're back on at twelve fifteen. Chris, let me tell you something. There's plenty of time to sleep for everyone out there when you're dead, muerte, room temperature. You do nothing else, Chris. <laughs> they, they fold your arms. They put you in a, a casket. For me, it'll be a cardboard casket at the way I'm going. They give you half Aww. shoes, a half shirt, 
uh, somebody eulogizes you, and they all pass in front of you. It's going to happen to you, Chris. You're at the wake, and they look at you, your very best friends, and they say, Oh, Chris looks so much better in death than she did in life. Whoa, the mortician did a really good job fixing her up. You know that's what they're going to say, Chris. Yeah, they, we always say that at every, uh, what, you know, why, why, why is that? That's like a tick. That's like a habit. Why do we pass pass the, ca- the casket? You go back there to get the Entenmann's cape and have a, uh, a cup of coffee like Frank, who goes to all these wakes of people he doesn't even know, so he can get a free cup of coffee and a, and a piece of Entenmann's uh, coffee cake. And why do we always look at the casket and go, oh, what an amazing job the mortician did. Joey looks so much better in death than he ever did in life, right? How many times have you heard that? Oh, I know. But I think that everybody does look better because well, all your stresses are gone. You know, there's nothing to worry about anymore. Chris, so we're all just relaxed. Chris, no, no, no. I want stress. I want to stay alive. I don't want to look relaxed because I know when I'm relaxed, I'm dead. Yeah, well, you'll be around for a while. You have to live out that contract with uh, Mr. Katsubatidis. Oh, that's right. Well, you got a 30-year contract. You can't, no cut. You know. Let's remember, no cut contract here. No yeah, cut. So no you cut got 30 contract. more years. <laughs> 30 more years. I will be 69 years old on March 26th of 2023. I have one year. I've eaten off that contract since I returned to WABC after losing the mayoral election to Eric Adams. I've got 29 years to go. You think I can make it, Chris? You think I, you think yes, I can talk yes. my way through all 29 years? Yes, I, I I think you should tell us where you get all the energy from. I, I I'd like half of your energy. Chris, I've had that conversation a million times. I could be stung God. I could be. Last night, let me give you an example, Chris. Thirty minutes before showtime, and of course, we had the very talented producer and phone screener, not a telephone talent coordinator. That's a phony fake position created by Frank Morano, and Avery was cutting up and doing the. Frank Morano rap. I know that you you despise that Frank Morano's crew because they want to be sickle fans, toadies, and lackeys and earn cred with Frank. What tough noogies. Avery does it, and we laugh for the entire hour. And I must tell you this, Chris, uh, at that particular moment, I got energized. Making fun of Frank Morano just energized me. It's like I came back. I had a second radio life last night. I can't get enough of this good stuff, Chris. I <laughs> it was predict, very funny last night. <laughs> I predict that when I die, it'll be while I'm broadcasting because, hey, look, everything else hasn't worked yet to kill me, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will tell you this, Chris. Broadcasting on WABC is not work. It is the ultimate pleasure. Forget sex. Forget rock and roll, forget drugs. Just talking to this microphone and knowing people like you tolerate tolerate what I say, all the nonsense, all the mission guys. You actually listen to the break of dawn. I go in a million different directions with my attention deficit disorder. I go from Brasilia, where there was a January 6th insurrection, and all of a sudden, what am I talking about? And I know that I'll have plenty of time to sleep when I'm dead.
Where else are you going to hear anything like that, Chris, except in the insane asylum? W-A-B-C. The founder of the Guardian Angels. The group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now. Curtis Lewa on 77 W-A-B-C. Defeat in the general election against Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. It's like the wide world of sports, the thrill of victory, but I had the agony of defeat. Five days later, as was mentioned by Chris, the call came from John Katsimatidis. Welcome back to the family. He said, I got a job for you. Uh, a job for me, huh? Yeah. Time to go to work, Sliwa. I got this guy named Frankie Russo on uh, overnights on the weekend. I'm putting you on. You got to whack this guy. I said, with pleasure. With pleasure. This guy doesn't belong on WABC. Hey, look, it's Ted Max Amateur Hour with that guy. Out he goes. And what did it take me, like a month? And I whacked him. And then all of a sudden, I kept hearing this guy who used to be my producer, used to be an intern at WABC, busted his buttons and britches with pride, Frank Morano. Earned his way into a nationally syndicated talk radio show. The other side of midnight, 1 to 5, Monday through Friday, 20 hours with the crew that I'm talking to now. And I remember he would be saying, hey, I'm number one, number one in the ratings. Yeah, me, me, I. And I said, not for long, pal. I'm gunning for you, right? And then all of a sudden it was high noon. You don't hear, you don't hear Morano say that anymore, right? Right? And now I got, I got someone else in my, my gun sights. His name is Sid Rosenberg. Morning guy. I got to tell you, he's gotten a little too big for his britches. And I'm going to tell you straight up like I'm going to tell him tomorrow when I join him at 7.05. And let me tell you something. Every Monday through Friday, 7.05, I'm like bookends to him because I'm the levelizer. You Sid Rosenberg. You're the host of the number one morning talk station show in the nation now. And who do you talk about? You talk about Howard Stern, how you love Howard Stern. Hey, man, he's it's over for Howard Stern ever since they confronted him in the summer of 2020. And they uh, resuscitated tapes with the N-bomb on it, him using it. The McWhitey-Whitey was dropping the N-bomb. Even his partner, 
said, what are you doing, Howard? And then they confronted him. The mob, Black Lives Matter, now big, large mansions. And they say, buck and bow and take a knee. You support Donald Trump? No, not me. Oh, I love Biden. I love the Democrats. Yes, em, yes, em, yes, em, sir. Whatever you say, I'll do to survive. Because uh, uh, I'm a trillionaire and I'm a recluse and I, I don't go out and I live in a McMansion out there somewhere in the Hamptons and I don't come into the city any longer. But I did for Bruce and I kissed his big fat tuchus. Working class hero, Ugat Sangil. And I looked at those two guys and I said, yeah, friend of the working class man. Hey, Bruce, how much are you charging for this concert? You got to pay a reverse mortgage and a, get a payday loan. And you sit up in the seats where you need an oxygen mask. And Howard, yeah, you're a tough guy, right? You can say whatever's on your mind, right? Oh, you, you dropped the N-bomb over and over and you didn't defend free speech. You didn't go down with the ship because you love the fame, you love the money, you love the trendoids, freakasoids, jet setters, and you can no longer speak your mind. What happened to the old Howard, right? Nah, he's gone. Just a shadow of who you were. And Sid wants to be Howard Stern. What is wrong? And Frank Morano, too, right? It's been half their day listening to that broken-down relic Howard Stern, who all of a sudden says, Oh, I hate Trump. I hate the Republicans. What the hell, man? You used to kiss his ass. Ah, don't believe the hype. Hey, straighten it up. Sid Rosenberg, Frank Morano, you're on the number one news talk station in the nation. You know who you should be listening to 24-7-365? WABC. You love Howard Stern? Go ahead on Sirius Radio and get the hell out of here. I represent WABC. It's my place to be. I'm proud of everyone here. Even though we're quite a dysfunctional family. And yeah, I listen to Frank, and I listen to Sid, and I get tortured by their narcissism. But I don't listen to Howard Stern. I listen to W.A.B.C. Over the course of human history, there's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind, St. Francis of Assisi, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Uh, once again, so this time, she's in the house, ladies and gentlemen. The cat woman is in the house, Nancy, who rescues cats and other animals, along with so many others out there who are listening, nameless and faceless as you are. But we have an hour of our own to save the animals who uh, can save us from the problems we can't deal with. And that's story number one, bar none, because, uh, Nancy, sometimes we talk about the news. Sometimes we give commentary about animal welfare issues. 
And in many instances, we are part of the news cycle. And I think everybody has called in this week to find out about uh, me uh, stepping up, volunteering to become uh, city's rat czar, and you going out right on the very block where the mayor, Eric Adams, uh, has a building on Lafayette and Bedside, do or die, and promoting the use of feral cats to uh, keep the rat and the mice population at bay. Can you sort of uh, give us... Uh, uh, a rolling uh, view of what it's been like all this week. Uh, well, good evening, everyone. It's great to be here with you in studio, Curtis. Uh, so the week has been uh, just very busy, and it's gone in a lot of different directions. But uh, it, how it started was uh, you and I, we showed up outside of the mayor's House Now, this was after he got, I think, the second round of tickets for the rats that he has um, at the Lafayette place. And this was yet another opportunity because I've uh, multiple times tried to present this idea, not only to him directly in 2018. I went to like the rat summit. I presented this idea. But, um, you know, to council members, I mean, uh, the public has, you know, they do it themselves. But we were showing what you can do if you harness the power of the feral cats that already live outdoors and you make them part of a managed colony, which which means that you're fixing them, right? You get them spayed and neutered. You're providing them with outdoor shelters so that while they're um, outdoors, you know, they have a place to sleep at night because otherwise they'll be under a car, under a stoop. You're getting them their shots, and then you're maintaining them. So, uh, you know, they, they're getting food or water uh, each day. You, you're able to maintain to see if there's anything wrong with them, and you're monitoring them. They know you, and they stay in that area. And by virtue of them staying in that area, they keep that um, location, whatever it may be. It may be within the confines of the house. It may be the property. It may be a few houses. But they keep that area free from vermin because they don't want to be there because they know that the cats are a predator. So that's how this started. And... Uh The mayor was very amenable to the idea of us developing a cat colony of two feral cats right on his property. We visited, we observed, clear the violations were correct. And it wasn't just his building. Uh, All the buildings on the block there, they had, you can see, encroachments by rats and mice. And you can see that the rats and the mice had overwhelmed that block. So it really wasn't a reflection on him as an absentee landlord. And he was kind enough to say, sure, if you could put a, a two cats here, feral cats, and have a little uh, a feral cat colony to help uh, attack uh, the rat and the mice issue, uh, knock yourself out. It's pretty much what he said, right? Correct, exactly. And, and then what I, happened as well, of uh, Friday? Well, yeah, so we, sh- we showed up, and we actually, um, you know, we were sort of, we brought the cats, and we also brought, um, an example, shelter, and going through the explanation of it, but, you know, stating that, you know, where the goal is to work with people in the neighborhood who are already taking care of the cats and then assist them in forming, you know, these managed colonies. But right after he seemed so okay with them being there, uh, he just completely changed up and he didn't want them there whatsoever. But again, I, and, and he didn't really give any reason why. He didn't give any any logical reason why. And again, this is really unfortunate because... This is really an idea that needs to be promoted. It should be utilized a lot more. A lot of people are doing it, um, not only in New York City, but throughout the United States and throughout the world because it works so well. And the fact that we're lagging so far behind is shameful. 
You know, we were walking up and down the blocks uh, earlier today before we came uh, to WABC for the broadcast from 3 to 5, and then Show Nights came back from 9 to what will be uh, about 11.45 when Dominic Carter will join us. And all we saw everywhere were these box rat traps, rat traps, rat traps everywhere. It does not working. It's yeah. not working. They were everywhere. There was a lot of them. But clearly the rats are smart. The mice are dumb. The rats are smart. The mice go into those boxes and they die. You rarely if ever see a rat in the box because the rats, they communicate with one another. <laughs> they laugh. <laughs> uh, the humans are trying to get us sucking into those boxes again. Uh, we saw glue traps, no rats. We saw the old ancient guillotine, the uh, snap trap. Oh, that is a horrible way to die. No rats in the traps. But we did come across rats that had been killed by feral cats that are managed in the area, but not on that block. Yeah. And there is a, um, a misnomer out there in which people think that feral cats, when they uh, kill a rat... That they eat the rat. That's not true. They just kill the rat and they leave it there. And so we think we had a a good balance. And I must say that in uh, spending a lot of time there earlier today, we have spent uh, most of our time cleaning up the block every day. There's so much garbage. And uh, as some of the neighbors pointed out to us, and rightfully so, it was constructive criticism because the first day I was just talking about the federal feral cats, they said, don't even discuss feral cats. Somebody's got to clean up the garbage. And the garbage was overwhelming. I mean, we were filling a bag after bag of garbage. And so we accomplished that today after three days of not just cleaning the area of garbage, which uh, the, the rats have a field day in, but also scrubbing like our grandmothers used to with the babushkas on their head, scrubbing the stoops, scrubbing the patios, uh, getting down there using elbow grease. If you got time to lean, you got time to clean with uh, ammonia, stringent in the water. And people were amazed. Wow, you cleaned it all up. And the rats are less visible because they're nocturnal. They come in, out at night. From 10 to 4 at night, the rats rule. They rule the streets. They rule the city. There's no doubt about it. And yet... um Whereas I volunteered to be the rat czar at night so I could be out there with the feral cats who are nocturnal, the mice who are nocturnal, and the rats who are nocturnal. I've been now told, Nancy, that I have to report to City Hall to find this woman named Dawn to become an intern to learn about being a rat czar. Well, you know, what's interesting, I recall reading the requirements they had for this job, and one of the top ones is that you have to love to be in front of the camera. I'm like, that's right there. That job was made for you. Well, I, I that was a requirement. <laughs> well, I, That's I, your job right there. I'm lens lice, right? I mean, <laughs> who doesn't want to be in the camera more than me? Uh, you know, there was a time <laughs> in New York, this is before I met you, Nancy. I don't even think you were burst, but we have no idea how old you really are. That if uh, being in front of a camera was a crime, there would have been a jail cell in the 80s. And in that jail cell would have been Donald Trump. Al Slim, Shady Sharpton, the Schmuck, the Putz, Chuck E. Cheese, Schumer, and Curtis Sliwa. All four of us would have been locked up for being lens like a steel cage match. Exactly. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. On one side would have been Al Slim, Shady Sharpton, <laughs> and the Schmuck, the Putz, Chuck E. Cheese, Schumer. 
and on the other side would have been Donald Trump and Curtis Lee. But even though we don't get along, there was a time, believe it or not, we were both given the highest awards by the New York State Conservative Party at the 69th Street Armory. And I looked at Donald. He looked at me. He was in his tux. I was in my red beret, my sateen jacket, and my guardian angel shirt. I said, Donald, what are you doing here? He said, what are you doing here? I said, Donald, you're not conservative. He said, Curtis, you're not conservative. And then Donald said the magic words. But we're going to get a lot of TV time on this. And I said, hot diggity dog. (laughs) You're right. So that's the number one requirement of being the city's rats are is that you have to get used to being in front of a camera. Exactly. Oh, well, then, hands down, I'm the winner, right? Who's more (laughs) of a lens license than me, right? No internship necessary. Anyway, let's open up our phone lines, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And I believe that today's labors resulted in us finding a woman who will take care of the feral cat colony and work with us to try to eliminate the rats and the mice on the block of the mayor of the city of New York who can't even get rid of rats and mice in his own building. How the hell is he going to do it in the city of New York? Question. What does it take to manage a feral cat colony? And what is a feral cat as opposed to a cat who goes in and out of a house or a cat who only stays in a house. Well, there's there's varying degrees of what you would consider to be feral, right? So truly feral would be a cat that's born outdoors. And again, they can have degrees of human interaction. But there's a lot of semi-feral cats that are running throughout the city. So these are cats that were once domesticated. Um, they were either indoor-outdoor cats. Um, you know, they never got fixed, of course, so they're going to roam outside. Um, and then they wind up... Um, or or someone decides they don't want them anymore, they release them. So they have some degree of, um, like, domestic, uh, like, human interaction. But the problem is they're not uh, deemed friendly enough to be adoptable. So, number one, like, you wouldn't, if you brought them to the shelter, uh, almost 100% across the board they euthanize feral cats because they make this determination, well, they're not adoptable. You can't bring them in a house. They're not. So that's problem number one. Um, when you're taking care of them outdoors, now, again, people get to uh, familiar relationships with them. So you could, you know, bring them indoors depending upon how long. But the idea is this is the place for them to be. They are outdoors. There's always going to be a degree of them outdoors. You have to get at the problem of just addressing the population. So what you do is um, the, the biggest element of managing the colonies is uh, once you start seeing cats that come around, if you start feeding them, well, they'll come around the next day and the next day and the next day. So now you already have a consistency there. Those cats are going to come around. The biggest thing you have to do is get them fixed. Now, you can reach out to organizations like myself, um, and there's other places that will do that, that will help you, assist you with that. But from there, what your responsibility is maintaining the colony, so however many cats there is. So what would be required is if you have um, enough space on a property that you have or if you live in like a common um, building if you get like the you know buy-in from the landlord or the super, oh, I can keep a you know a shelter here, which is like a Tupperware box, like twenty-gallon Tupperware box. And then every day, you just got to make sure that you put the food down, you put the water down, you check on it. You know, you want to clean up. I mean, those are reasons why sometimes people get upset. They think every single cat outdoors 
Well, if you're taking care of them, oh, you're responsible for every can of cat food out there. So you ha- there's a lot of education and there's a lot of community interaction. And you're explaining to them whether you like them being outdoors or whether you don't like them being outdoors. It's inevitable that they're there. But here's how we harness what they can do. And here's how we make it so that they don't have a lot of those elements that you're not going to like, the fighting, the spraying, and thousands of kittens. Here's the the solution to it. And here's how it fits into the overall equation. That's what a lot of people see. I mean, the people on the block, they were very quick to say, oh, the minute this construction went up, that's as soon as the rats happened. So they saw it. So you put those two things together. Now, one of the big things that happens in the city with so much construction, um, I've been involved in a lot of um, sort of fights where people are trying to keep their cats there. And the construction, they're so adamant. No, no, you have to move them. You have to move them. No, but this is where they are. This is where they live. This is where they know you can't relocate them. This is a problem. No, get them out. The minute they get them out, and all the rats are there. So they have to start working, and they, and this is where the city needs to come in. They need to start demanding this stuff. You have to have, you may, I mean, they want green buildings. They want green development. Well, here's the concept right here. You have to work with these people already doing this stuff. That was interesting because Bed-Stuy used to be predominantly African-American. Now you got a lot of white hipsters and millennials who have moved in, still some uh, tried-and-true traditional African-Americans who grew up there. Uh, I was amazed as we walked around from block to block and tried to uh, get people involved that the white hipsters and millennials looked at us as if we were dreck, as if we were like people of no consequence. Like, get out of our neighborhood. We don't need you. And the African-Americans, once we told them what we were there for, because they thought right away, oh, guardian angels, great. You're here to deal with the crime. Well, yes. But really, our priority is dealing with the rats and the mice right now. Oh, absolutely. And they would absolutely show us all the areas because he grew up there. Didn't you find that odd that these white interlopers from Iowa, where there are more pigs than people, Idaho, where there are more potatoes than people, were so jaundiced and so negative? And the people who grew up in the neighborhood, who knew the difference between then and now, were more than happy to try feral cats. You know, it's it, it does surprise me a little bit, but I I think there's an element of community involvement. Um, if you think that, oh, the government's going to do everything for you, well, they'll take care of it. They'll take care of it. I then once you start realizing, first of all, you don't want the government doing everything for you. They don't do a good job at everything, and you really there's much more power in community community engagement, civic engagement. So here's a problem that the community can address. They, it would be great if the city was taking a little bit more proactive response, but I don't think they see that. They don't get that we need to work together to do this thing. They think, oh, that's something the city takes care of. What are you doing here? No, no, the city doesn't do a good job. That's why you need to be here. Who were the two cats that you uh, drafted <laughs> to get the effort started because they they dominated oh, the news uh, coverage? Thor and Tiny. And explain a little bit about Thor and Tiny and where they came from. Yeah, so Tiny is uh, one of the rescue cats. So Tiny was from the kill list at the animal care and control, and she came from a hoarding situation. It was like 35 cats. So, you know, they again, right, great scenario. This person was hoarding the cats in a bad thing. They took them. Okay, so now – but now they're in the shelter. So they're, they're all slated to be euthanized. So all all rescue groups came in because they weren't even making them available for public adoption. And Tiny was the last one left, the only one that hadn't been adopted. So, uh, And they weren't um, giving her available for public adoption. She's the sweetest cat in the world. This cat's almost like a piece of furniture. (laughs) It just sits. She sits wherever you put her. 
she plays. She 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 didn't mind being outside. I mean, there was big you know buses coming by. She was totally fine. Um, Thor is part of a um, a group of four kittens that was born to an outdoor feral cat that we rescued, and she was so far along that she had the kittens right away. So uh, those four cats, you know, we're adopting those um, four kittens out, but Thor is one of the, from that batch. Yeah. Oh, they did a magnificent job. And in uh, reference to Tiny, you mentioned uh, coming out of a hoarding situation. When I would sit and have a sandwich, like an egg sandwich in the morning, Tiny would come over and immediately attack the sandwich. Because you, she must have been fighting with all the other 35 cats for any morsel of food. For months, she didn't, she almost didn't know what it was like to eat cat food with the cats. And she would steal your food when you were eating, and that was it. Yeah, because <laughs> was she, she was immediately wondering where her next meal would come from because of a hoarding situation. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Then there's another situation going on. This is a real horror. We will be in uh, up in Little Neck, Douglaston on Tuesday at 2.30. We'll be joined by... Uh, Three great people who are involved in animal rights. One is an elected official, Vicky Palladino, city council person from that area. Rob Becerra and Grace Navarro, who uh, run so many uh, animal rescue operations and go into very tough neighborhoods and actually get dogs released from owners who are uh, literally torturing them. and They have them at the brink of death. They'll be joining us. Other folks will. What is it that has all attracted us to this location in Little Neck? Uh, well, this is a story about uh, a cat named Cheese. That uh, it's an indoor/outdoor cat, and it came home and it had a, a crossbow in it. So this cat wound up having to be euthanized because they couldn't save it because of the extent of the injuries. Um, but now apparently. This has been a little bit of a phenom in this area for a while. There have been a number of animals that have been disappearing, um, including wild animals and feral cats. And this is the second time that this cat had um, like a an arrow piece on it. So there's someone out there who's specifically targeting animals with a crossbow. Wow, what a sicola. So in a place like Little Neck, which is tucked out of the uh, normal uh, sort of metropolitan Politan urban uh, scene, you know, where people are just piled on top of one another. You could conceivably stalk animals with a crossbow, probably um, in a car. You could take aim at them, beat down on them, and shoot and kill them, or end up maiming them and torturing them. It's a torturous death to have that arrow embedded into your body. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if you happen, uh, happen to be out in Little Neck and you want more information, just go to guardianangels.org. That's guardianangels.org. Hit the tab, the Guardian Angel Animal Protection Division, and uh, we'll give you information on how you can join us because we'll put together a reward. We'll get out there massively, and we'll make sure that this individual or individuals, if they're doing it, uh, are arrested. This is a way that you you can stop a future sociopath. I mean, you've never, this person's already a sociopath, but chances are they're going to extend this to humans. They're going to have children. They they could have family members. I mean, it, we need to stop this person now. Yeah, I mean, time after time, studies have done been done on murderers, people who murder people, 
and they trace it back to the time where they were torturing or killing animals. People knew of it and did nothing about it. And this is why they need to start prioritizing abuses against animals because this is what this leads to. And again, people seeing this, children having to grow up with this, animals being viewed as property is the problem. You know, they they don't take this seriously, but these people go on to abuse people. So you you really need to be honed in on this type of activity. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then another Cicola. A dog was thrown and then dragged from a stolen car on Long Island. It was just completely barbaric. And you say to yourself, wow, there's a lot of this behavior out there. And if you don't stop them when they start doing this to animals, you know doggone well they're going to escalate and they're going to do it to two-legged creatures, not just four-legged creatures. What are the circumstances of this horrific crime against this dog? Yeah, and this is apparently the... The second time that this has happened recently in the same sort of area, um, a woman is uh, going to a gas station, filling up her car, you know, leaves a passenger door open, goes on the other side, and uh, someone drives up and then goes to steal the car. And in the passenger seat, she has her dog, who she had picked up from doggy daycare. It's like in a little, I guess like a pocket or something of that nature. And when he realizes that a dog's there and he's driving away, he decides to throw the, the dog out the window, but the dog's collar catches on to the window, and he winds up dragging the dog. And, um, you know, Good Samaritans had seen the, the dog and then were able to assist with helping the dog, but the dog might lose a leg. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's the story. Savage. Just savagery Savage. against this uh, dog. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then you showed me maybe the saddest video of all that I've seen this week. Uh, There's so many sad videos involving abuse of uh, dogs and cats and other animals. Young man, he's wearing a hoodie and a baseball cap, traditional kind of garb now, and he's carrying a, a pit bull in his arms. And I'm thinking, oh, that's nice. He's carrying the pit bull. And he walks over to this fence that has razor wiring on top. And he heaves hoe and he tosses the dog over the fence. The dog gets caught in the razor wire. It falls to the other side. And he very casually and leisurely just walks away. And the dog, all battered, all bruised, walks up to the fence. And it's almost like it's crying. Like, how how could you just abandon me like this? The, the, the look in that dog's eye. Now, when you say that's a dog, that's not a human being, the abandonment, the the hurt, the suffering that that dog, because even though he had just abused that dog, that dog wanted to go with him. I think that video said so much. Uh, And that guy didn't uh, think twice about that. Yeah, I mean, thankfully, the the dog is now being... um, cared for and showcased. And obviously this story has pulled on a lot of people's heartstrings, but the dog's like eight years old, you know, so an older dog. And unfortunately, I think this is something that does happen with people who, you know, they get dogs um, or cats or pets and they get older. They're not sure maybe how to handle them or they just don't want them as an older pet. And they, you know, they, they think nothing of 
of this. And, it, and again, it's really it's sad because the animals have such a bond toward them. I mean, you see it all the times with the animals in the shelters. And, you know, people, when they relinquish them, oh, I'm, you know, I have a new baby, I have a new house, I developed an allergy yesterday, I mean, whatever. I mean, these are traumatized animals that are really missing their families. Surrendering the animals. A lot of people are not aware we can't say it enough, Nancy. When you go to a shelter uh, and it doesn't say no kill shelter, it's a kill shelter. Understand that. If it doesn't say no kill and you don't ask about that, they will kill those animals. They will euthanize those animals. They will destroy those animals if they cannot find them another home, if they cannot adopt them out or foster them out. And that happens to many of those animals. And then they are under a death watch. Can you describe for everyone again when it comes to New York City's animal control shelter system, which gets millions and millions of our tax dollars, what are those roles that you and other men and women look at each and every day that's like death row for cats, death row for dogs? Yeah, no, that, that is actually what it is. It's the kill list for the animals. So when they bring, um, you know, when they accept the whatever uh, relinquished pet in there or surrender, they'll make determinations as to adoptability. And this is another problem with the shelter system. They can decide for any variety of reasons, oh, this animal's not adoptable. Now, again, we were just talking about how traumatized they are when they first get to the shelter. You can't really judge their personality. So you might say, oh, that's not a friendly cat because it's hiding in the corner because it's traumatized. That uh, single decision right there can make it where the public can't adopt it. So then what happens is it goes on a certain list where only the pre-approved rescue groups can adopt it. That's like 120 different groups. So then they'll put out the list. Now, again, obviously, these are only a fraction of the groups that exist. A very, um, you know, and they're limited in their resources, too. When you agree to take one of these pets, they're not doing anything for them. So every single pet that we've adopted, everything you have to take care of for them with the medical issues. So when you get the older ones, it's like a full rundown of everything. They, they could come with, um, you know, issues. They might have surgeries that need to be done. Um, but there's a large list of animals that never even make it to the public um, view because they've made the determination, no, that's going to be too hard for someone to adopt. Hmm. And right away, that's a, that's a very, very bad thing for them to be doing. So know this, if you decide that for whatever reason you have to surrender your animal, your family member, your friend, do not believe the hype that they're going to find that animal, dog, cat, or other animal, a place to live of their own, a new family, a new foster care or adoption uh, family. There's a very good chance that they're going to run out the clock, not because they want to, but they just they, they have a time limit and it's an assembly line of death. And, you know, and just one quick thing, too, is like when you go to see the animals because of the way that they showcase them, it's such a long process from the time you enter the door to the time you see a pet that you could potentially interact with. You're waiting on a line. You got to schedule some time. They, they, they pull the animal out the cage. You can see it for two minutes. It's like. It's a very odd way, and by the time you finally get to see it, might be so long. I mean, so again, to to really hem this stuff up to make it easier, to make the animals more accessible, to make it more viewable, more interaction, that's what needs to be done to get them adopted. No doubt. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. WABC. The Curtis Lewa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Lewa. 
You know, earlier this evening, Nancy, we had the pleasure of uh, going out and having uh, dinner with our owner-operators, John and Margot Katsimatidis, and their son, John Jr. And uh, John could just not get out of his head what we had learned when uh, we were substituting for Sid Rosenberg in the morning when he was uh, away with his family during the uh, holiday season. We had someone on from the Humane Society in Connecticut who gave us the figures that each and every day, make that each and every year in America, each year three million dogs are euthanized, destroyed, and three million cats are euthanized and destroyed. And not because they're sick and they can't recover or they're suffering for no good reason. Absolutely. And he he was stunned. And then he said, to you, Nancy, because you're the expert, what are we going to do about this, Nancy? And Nancy has come up with a number of ideas she shared with John and Margot and Johnny Jr. And we're going to try to put them uh, into uh, play to prevent that. That's a horrific number. Three million dogs, three million cats. I mean, it's, it, uh, unfortunately, it's become a bit of a business for some of these places. And this is why you have to aggressively do spay neuter. This is the is there's too many of these animals being born, and time and time again they come into the shelters. I can't tell you how many animals are in the shelters, three, four, or five years old, not fixed, and you wonder why the people find, oh, this animal, I can't control it. Oh, it's 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 going. Yeah, that's why you fix it, and that's where the personality changes, and that's when you don't have this out of control animal, and you have like a pet that you can enjoy, that you really need to fix your pets. This is at the heart of the problem for this overpopulation. And as we've traveled the country to visit Guardian Angel chapters, uh, we've taken the time whenever we're at a local uh, chapter to visit the nearby shelters. We've done it in Fort Lauderdale and Baltimore, and obviously throughout New York City there are three of them. And you walk in, and the poor animals are shaking. They're terrified. They're nervous. Oftentimes, uh, the animals who are euthanized, it's done right next door. They can smell death. Their, their, their sense of smell is 10 times more acute than a human being. They know what's going on next door. It is very much like it must have been in the concentration camps where you're in barracks. Mm-hmm. You can smell death. You know that all of a sudden people are being herded out. In this case, animals herded out. You hear the screams, you hear you hear the death wail of your fellow dogs and fellow cats, and imagine being stuck in that kind of they're using They're using the dogs now to sniff out cancers in people, so you know they know exactly what's going on in that shelter. Let's go, if we can, to Jeffrey calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition at WABC, Jeff. Yes. Hey, listen, Curtis. You know that scene in John Wick uh, where that he got hurt up and everything, and uh, he went to this uh, kennel, uh, I guess like a shelter thing. And after he, you know, you know, took care of himself, you know, he looked and he saw all these dogs. And he, all of a sudden, he went and he went to the cage and he saw this dog. He rescued that dog, and that dog was so loyal to him, man. I mean. All through the movie, I mean, you know, he was so loyal to him. I mean, that touched me, man. And um, I tell you, man, um, oh, God, I, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I just became an animal lover. I've been an animal lover, but that really touched me, man. You know, that 
that scene in John Wick. Oh, man, that dog was so loyal to him, man. And he, would, he and his dog didn't even have a name. It just said, you know, stay. That dog will stay right there. And, you know, I mean, how can you hurt something like that? I mean, dog, that's an unconditional love. A, a, a dog, a cat. It's, it's so un, it's unconditional, man. I mean, oh, what can I say, man? And then, you know, Jeffrey, I mean, then to look at a dog in the case we described where this young man Obviously, he had somewhat of a good relationship with the dog. Don't know the reason that he decided to cast the dog over the fence. The dog got caught on the razor wire, severely injured, and then came up to the fence and was whimpering and crying, wanted to go back with the guy, even after he had abused the dog. It's that, like, yeah, we have, when I heard you talk about that, yes. that I mean, that's unconditional love, man. I mean, how can you? Treat something something like that bad like that. Well, a um, lot of times, Jeffrey, we we found that starts young. Children see animals being abused. Nothing's done to the individuals abusing the animals, and then they start out abusing animals. Nothing's done to them because they're not considered humans. And then the next thing you know, many of them will escalate to uh, abusing their own children, their own loved ones, co-workers, strangers, and some of them end up on death row. And you ask them, what are things that they have in common? They abused animals at a very young age, and nobody did an intervention. Nobody tried to stop them, and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Let's go to Barbara calling in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare hour of WABC, Bob. Hi, Curtis and Nancy. I love your show. I love what you're doing. I have a friend down in Tennessee who just had uh, 14 cats, and she got four of them adopted so far. She's working with a foster Congrats. and everything like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she's, now she's got 10. Okay. <laughs> but what I, what I wanted to say to you is about uh, the marijuana. It's like, first of all, I personally am just so tired of here uh, smelling it on the street. I live on the Upper East Side and forget about it. I don't go out that often, but when I do, I'm, I'm smelling it all the time. But this is about dogs. My brother told me a story a couple of weeks ago. There was a woman walking her dog. Sounded like a medium-sized dog. I'm telling this story secondhand. And uh, the dog, you know, put its head down to the ground, and she wasn't sure if it picked something up or not. But uh, she just kept walking, and it didn't seem like it did. And a couple hours later, the dog's back legs gave out. And then after that, the dog went into spasms and everything. She took it to the vet, and the vet examined it and everything like that. And it turned out that the dog ate a joint. A small joint, but it wasn't big enough to do major harm, but it took about three days for the dog to recuperate at the vets. And I just was wondering if you ever heard anything like this before. It was on CBS radio when my brother heard it about three, two to three weeks ago. And I'm just devastated because I'm thinking of children and dogs. I had a little Maltese that I loved to death. That was my baby. And I just was wondering if you were aware of this or you heard of this. Well, Barbara, the more prevalent uh, thing that dogs would consume off the ground are these uh, rat-killing pellets that are everywhere. They consume Mm -hmm. it, and it's a horrible death. They implode birds, other animals, cats, 
children sometimes. And I will tell you this, uh, I would say that's probably an exception to the rule. The real problem are the poisons that are spread everywhere. Yeah, and when I see people walking the dogs, and sometimes you see um, like a very aggressive collar on their face, and I'm like, they look like a really sweet dog, but I understand why people do it, because they don't want them to inadvertently start eating anything. They eat stuff so quickly on the streets. Oh, absolutely. Let's go to Hannifer calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition at WABC, Hannifer. Hanifa, and Happy New Year, Curtis, and the lady that's with you. I am so proud of you. This is a wonderful thing that you're trying to do. I think it's going to require community involvement as much as possible. Um, I kind of disagree that cats won't um, eat rats because in my neighborhood, there were a lot of feral, and I grew up with cats from the time I was a child. My mother had an Uncle Oscar, and he gave her a kitten on a silver platter when she got married in 1942. And Oscar was a female and had many, many kittens <laughs> and lived to be 21 years old. But um, over here where I am in Brooklyn, there were a lot, had a lot of feral cats on the block. We still have some. Um, there was a woman who would come and trap them, and then she said she was giving them homes. But there was one that was a favorite of all of ours, and she trapped it. And we called her and complained. She brought it back. It was dead, a healthy cat. So, you know, that made a lot of our cats disappear. But there are people now who come around, trap the cats, they neuter them. It's a group. And then they put them back where they were, which is helpful. Yes. Of course, they they can't get them all. But I will say this, when... A rat has babies, and you rodenticide is out there. I mean, in our community garden, there were all kinds of holes in the ground and everything, and we would put rodenticide in the holes and then rocks, you know, because they had tunnels buried underneath. But then there was construction on the block, so, you know, that meant there were rats everywhere. And they... Yeah, I think we uh, lost, uh, lost her there. Oh, what happened? No, no, uh, just respond to what you said. Oh, okay, yeah, no, so, um, yeah, so definitely, um, let's see, so with, yeah, so definitely the community involvement. Um, if if people are trapping the cats, obviously it's good because, uh, you know, you, you can't get them all, but, yeah, if, you want, if you're working with people in the existing community to make sure that there's someone there who's going to be continuing to care for them. And I think, again, I think that's easy to to do if you do a little bit of legwork. So you're walking around the blocks. Once you start seeing cans down, I mean, you go enough times, you'll see the people who are feeding them because it's extremely consistent. So, yeah, definitely community involvement. Um, and in, in terms of people who trap them, um, you know, if they're trapping them and the better relationship you have, yeah, sometimes they, they grab them. You want to know who it is that's doing that. And uh, most people are fine with with working with you and following up. I mean, I, I feel I've, I'm sorry about that situation that happened. Yeah, that would sound like an exception to the rule. That's very sad. Let's go to Mike in Queens. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition here at WABC, Mike. Yes, hi, Curtis. I have three things to say. Remember I told you about the, the delis? They can't have a cat in the basement. The health department won't allow them. But if you if you get that law changed, then less cats will be euthanized because then delis will have them in the basement. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that, Mike. They think that bodegas, restaurants, uh, fast food places can have cats. If they do, and the Department of Health does, freak, uh, you know, frequent checks, 
they will be given a massive fine, which makes no sense. One cat can keep the mice, the rats, and the rodents away. One cat. Yet they would much prefer the Department of Health that you instead use toxic toxic pesticides like we had just described, which don't have the intended effect and oftentimes have leave ancillary problems. This law has to be dealt with. We try to make a point this week in dealing with the mayor uh, that he must relook at these uh, prohibitions against having a cat in, let's say, the basement or the area of a supermarket, a grocery store, a bodega, a cafe, a restaurant, a fast food place. Because, Mike, that is a remedy. Uh, you have two other points? Yes. Second point is... Uh we call if you have a sick cat, for example, a sick dog, like say I had a sick cat, he unfortunately had kidney disease. The only way you could get the cat food for that has to be a special cat food, and by law you only could get it from a vet, and you can't get it that cheap. If a supermarket carried it, you could get it a lot cheaper. It costs a lot of money to get a, a, a we call food from a, a vet that's a special kind of food, like say for kidney disease. If you could have the law changed, because it's shame people can't afford it. Those bags of cat food are so expensive. Or dog food. Yeah, and I'm aware of that, too, because I had um, one cat that had to be on that type of special diet, and it required the veterinarian uh, signing off on it, and it's considerably more expensive because it has a, a, a couple extra nutrients. But, yeah, to your point, I mean, if that's something that's necessary for, for them, it should be able to be purchased in a store and more affordable because people can keep their animals. And let's go finally to Sienna. In Manhattan, your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare uh, Edition of WABC, Sienna. Hi, Curtis and Nancy. This is a, a little bit of a conundrum here. My husband is a superintendent in a building up in Inwood, and he has two cats in the basement. And what happened is they're not able to ward off the rats. Uh, I guess you would consider them really domesticated because they don't go out, <laughs> you know? And so someone saw someone saw the rats eating the cat food and told him about it. And I said, oh, my goodness, let me call Nancy on Sunday night to see because he's very good and very kind, and he would be able to take care of feral cats very, very kindly. And... When you say that they should have a little house outside, that's no problem. He could build a little house outside with the food and with the water. But who's to say the rats aren't going to take over the house outside? Yeah, that Can sounds you tell like me so, that. And yeah. we're <laughs> no, those sound like some very friendly cats. The, yeah, uh huh. Right. They let them, and then he even noticed that the bag of cat food. At one point, the cats wouldn't eat it anymore, and he said, "You know what? I wonder if the rats tainted the cat food in the in the bag, you know." So he threw all of that out. But now, how would we get two feral cats neutered, of course, and keep them outside? And then again, the question is: When you build a little house outside, how do we know that the rats aren't going to go in the house instead of the feral cats? Well, yeah. Um, actually, I'm gonna uh, if we can get the uh, your number. I'd like I can contact you directly because there are certain um, groups I can put you in touch with. Now, in terms of the feral cats themselves, 
if you, also just to be a, a little bit aware, I've been um, I've we've helped people in Inwood before too, and that's wow, that's some of those some of those blocks are really 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 hardcore. Um, there's and they're everywhere, so. It could be that maybe those cats got um, overwhelmed with what was going on and they've just decided to be friends. Um, but normally with the situation, like, and this is why it would be great if the city re- was really more on board with it, you have a lot of times where cats need to be relocated because there's construction going on and they don't want to maintain. The, the developers are very adamant. No, they can't stay. They can't stay. And there's always that issue where where are you going to relocate them to because they are, um, you know, creatures of habit. So that could be a perfect situation. I could put you in touch with people who are looking to do that, and I can also assist as well. But, yeah, to your point, it could just be they've become friends over time. If people have any other questions or want to have uh, additional conversation with you about cat, dog, or animal issues, uh, how can they reach you, Nancy? Oh, they can go to guardianangels.org, uh, the Animal Protection tab, or you can email me directly, nancy at guardianangels.org. And today was... Uh uh, the end of a stellar week in which we were able to bring relief to a lot of residents in Bedsty, do or die, the neighborhood of uh, the mayor, who can't even control the rat problems at his own building on Lafayette. And he has intentions on trying to win a war against rats in the five boroughs of the city of New York. Can't do it. Nobody has ever won a war against rats. It's like a war on drugs, right? Either. You have detente, or you suffer a loss, or you just accept the fact that Curtis Lee was more than happy to be your PM drug czar. Excuse me, cat czar. Excuse me, (laughs) rat czar. (laughs) At no cost to the taxpayers. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Dominic Carter right now. If you weren't doing your show right here at WABC to 1 o'clock, before Frank Morano takes center stage, 1 to 5, Monday through Fridays, the other side of midnight, you could be joining Mayor Eric Adams, Swagger Man with No Plan at Club Zero Bond. Here we go. Works all day and parties at night to the break of dawn. Here we go. Is it possible that you could do both, Dominic Carter? You're up by 6. You're starting your meetings at 7. You work until about 9. Then you go to Osteria La Baia, owned by those two crooks, those white-collar felons, uh, the Petrosians. And then they accompany you once the restaurant closes at 12. To Club Zero Bond, where you stay until about 2.30, and then you bag it at about 3. Is it conceivable that you could do both, Dominic Carter? I, I guess I guess it's possible. I don't see how one could do it. But, but let's backtrack. Let's backtrack. This is you and I talking right now. So I pick up all the headlines. The story has gone national between you and Mayor Adams. Did he actually curse you out? He wouldn't be the first nor the last, yes. I'm used to hearing F-bombs all over the place. Are you kidding? And let me give you the circumstances. Uh, He had given us permission to actually put two cats in a cat colony on a patio 
of his building. He is an absentee landlord who's been cited now twice for having rats build burrows right into his building. But it's a problem that other neighbors have had on that block, Lafayette Avenue in Bedstein. He got hit with tickets once. He decided to send incorporation counsel to argue that was was wrong. It's a private matter, not a city matter. And he's got clipped again, $1,200 worth of tickets. And there's evidence of rat encroachment. It's right there. So I guess he figured, wow, Slee was going to take this problem off my hand. And so we started to clean up the area. We started scrubbing it. And we started planning, okay, we're going to put the two houses for the two feral cats right in this area. And we were making room. And then two cops come up to us, uniformed cops on Friday at about 5, and say, gentlemen, uh, the mayor no longer wants you on his private property. Okay, no problem. You know, okay, we'll find another place to put the houses. Although it was a little disappointing. I go, I take the C train, I'm going home. And a person we all know, Todd Shapiro, he's sort of like the Swifty Lazar. He knows everybody. Uh, He's got friends. He's got foes. But he knows how to hook people up. And he's on the phone with me. The phone is uh, beeping. I'm at the station of uh, Washington there. And it's Todd. And I said, Todd, we might get cut off because I'm on the train. We're going in the tunnel towards the next stop, Lafayette. The mayor wants to talk to you. So the mayor, I could hear him talking, and he's going, what have I ever done to you, you know? Uh, why do you treat me this way? I said, stop. You called me a racist for eight months during the campaign. Stop this. And then it went dead because we were in the tunnel. The moment we emerged, we're now on Lafayette. Ring. It's Todd. Todd, I'm patching you through the mayor. He, I'm saying, I'm telling you, I'm going to get cut off again. And this time he's in a rage, the mayor. I want you off the property. You walked into my building. You get the F out of my building. And then he said a few other words that were not decipherable because we were, again, going in the tunnel. So by the time we reached uh, the next station, Hoyton Skimmerhorn, on my way to to the city, because I hadn't come here to do show prep, no more calls. So I texted to Todd, yo, what the hell was that in the future Give him my number on his dime, on his time. He can call me directly. I don't need somebody to patch through the mayor of the city of New York. And then he said, well, he was very upset. He's not going to do that because if he does that, there's a record of the phone conversation. If he has Todd call you, the call was made to or from Todd. And Todd was just, you know, he does this. He's done this with me before for the good or somebody I'd really rather not be talking to. You know, it's like. So, but I want to make sure I got this right here. Yes. The mayor of New York City lost his cool. Totally. And and dropped the F-bomb to you. Right. But. He thought we had gone into his building. I'm talking to Todd later on, like, what's up with this guy? And he goes, oh, the mayor called me back. They looked at the film because he's got cameras outside like the other neighborhoods. You were on the patio. You were you were scrubbing the steps, the stoop. But he saw you did not go in the building. Now, he didn't apologize, but it obviously chilled him out. So he was of the impression that we actually went into the building. Because let me tell you something. Even if we had violated uh, his private property, because we had permission to be on the outside, we would have found rats in the building because they're burrowing in. 
it's it, look, it's natural. He's not alone. But you can't be the mayor saying you declare war on rats in all five boroughs. And you can't even manage the problem on your own property. So explain this to me. Why can't you two guys get along with each other? He doesn't like cats. And he thinks the solution is to drown rats. You know, when he was Brooklyn Borough president, he had assembled a lot of the um, paparazzi, a lot of the reporters. He said, this is the way to end rats in our lifetime. And he, he drowned rats and ladled them out of a vat. And even the reporters were, like, grossed out, like, yo, man, that's like clockwork orange. You're like psycho boy. He got all upset with, well, I killed the rats, didn't I? Well, but, yeah, but, but it's not the way you kill but, the rats. But this is bigger than rats. Yes. What is it between you and Mayor Adams where you guys just don't get along? You mean we're like ammonia and bleach? Yes. I guess that's the way it's going to be, but he cannot just placate me away and patronize me away. There's a rat problem on his block. We have a solution, feral cats. He's tried every conceivable solution, and he's knocked himself out. Nothing works. He's tried dry ice. He's tried flooding the burrows. He's tried poisons. He's tried pellets. He's tried gas. He's tried everything. The only thing he hasn't tried, feral cats. And if you notice... He very much is like Trump. He does not have pets. Now, it's not unusual. There are people who they don't have dogs or cats or any pets. He's not a pet-friendly guy. He has no way of understanding how this works. So when the mayor used the F word, yes. did you respond naturally? What did you say? We were in the tunnel. <laughs> what I wanted to say, I couldn't say. What would you have said? What I said in the New York Post is, look, you're the mayor. I would never assault you, but somebody talks to me like that in the street. You know me. I step to them. I'll knock you out right where you stand. Curtis, you cannot knock out the mayor of New York City. One, he has a license to carry a gun. Two, he has a full police detail. Put the gun on the side, get in the ring, and let's settle our differences. So now you're challenging the mayor to a fight? If he wants to. I mean, look, I don't intend to do any harm to the mayor. But you understand at that moment, you've seen me out in the street. I have. I went up to the Nation of Islam. You're serious as cancer. And I challenged them, and they had me outnumbered eight to one. I said, yo, go back to Scooey Louis Farrakhan, you fruit of the loom boys.